0: Hi, do you want to go to a party with me? No, the
1: game's on. Oh, I almost forgot. I'll be right there. We
0: like sports and we don't care who knows.
1: From shooting hoops to the Super Bowl. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Blood ball. ball.
0: And we are back. Another episode of the Next Level Nerd Sports Podcast. I am Frank Conti and joining, joining us shortly will be my co-host Bronson Allman and it's been a two-week break. We've been doing the once-a-week thing, pretty, pretty good for the the last couple of months, Bronson. But uh, both of our schedules kind of got got kind of crammed lately, and we had to take a two-week break. So, a lot to catch up on tonight. Uh, two weeks of football scores. We won't uh, bore you with every single score from you know thirty-two uh, NFL games, but uh, we'll we'll highlight some of the the bigger the bigger happenings in the NFL the last couple of weeks and. Uh, Talk about where the standings fall right now and how the Steelers are doing. We'll talk about their games. We have two to cover. They've hit uh, a couple home games against Denver and Seattle uh, for the Steelers, Bronson. And uh, we'll have some hockey talk. The Penguins have gotten underway. And, uh, you know, about a week into the NHL season. So that's exciting. So we'll spend a little time there. And then Major League Baseball playoffs, you know, my forte. Um Bronson will have to roll out the red carpet for the Dalai Lama, as usual. And uh, we'll be talking some AL and NLCS. Uh, I'll have to probably go over what happened in the NLDS and ALDS. Uh, Those series wrapped up since we last spoke. And uh, we'll be talking about the final four that's going on right now. Uh, We always like to talk about what night it is. It's Thursday, the 21st of October. Um, Bronson and I are keeping an eye on Game 5 of the uh, NLCS. And we uh, Thursday night football, as we usually meet on Thursdays, um, is going on between Cleveland and Denver right now. 10-0 at the half, Cleveland ahead. So we might be breaking in if there's a big play during that. So forgive us for that. But I know you guys, a lot of the fans love our live sports reaction. We still haven't got to do an episode uh, of just watching a game. That's something that's coming down the pike where we don't talk about any subjects. We just kind of break down and do a game, kind of do a play-by-play of a maybe a Penns game upcoming That'll be something fun to spice things up here at NLN. But uh, Bronson, I'll bring you in. He's going to do the Chris Col- Collinsworth slide, and here he comes. And, oh, there he is. And Bronson Allman has joined us now. And no, it's, my... it's funny. You did the you
1: did the uh, you did the, the Jimmy Fallon thing from SNL. Yeah, we're back, and we're back. That's kind of what I was... Was like, we need. The butt, right?
0: <laughs> I think,
1: so... yeah. I... <laughs> well, that
0: was, it uh, wasn't that family guy
1: was weenie in the butt, wasn't it? Oh. So, Frank, you were talking about us doing our, maybe our version of like the the Eli and Peyton Manning like watch along. Yes, yes. I figured maybe we can do it on, on a Monday night like they do it. But, you know, there there's a couple Monday night opportunities that, you know, uh, actually uh, in two, well, the bye week. So, in three weeks, uh, the Steelers and the, and the Bears are on Monday night football. Okay. So the Justin Fields, and then of course, um, later in the season, they play the, the Browns on Monday night football, um, could also, and then, you know, I, I actually, I'll tell you, I'll tell you an opportunity we can do this since we are so, uh, dialed into doing Thursday nights, Frank, uh, I don't know if you know this, but my birthday, I don't know what I really want to brag that I, I turn age. I don't want to turn, but, <laughs> but that, uh, my birthday is the Thursday night game at the Minnesota Vikings on the NFL network.
0: Well, that'll be a fun one. I, I, maybe we should pencil that in for a...
1: Maybe that's what we'll do. Maybe we Can we make that official maybe? Yeah, we'll
0: Bronson that. birthday edition live Steelers Vikings
1: reaction show. I could take a break off of like having to try to remember stuff to talk about on the podcast and just <laughs> fully immerse myself into the uh, Steelers Vikings game. And I have friends who are Vikings fans too, so that should be fun. Um I actually won't be able to be, wait until the Friday morning after because I watched uh, Boomer and Geo every morning like when I'm getting ready to go to work and... And Geo is a uh, a uh, very adamant uh, Vikings fan, so I'm maybe sure we'll try to agree.
0: maybe we'll try to get innovative, Bronson. I know we've talked about this. Maybe we will do it on Facebook Live and actually, yeah, that would be
1: cool to do that. Maybe you know, as folks are watching the game, can can maybe mute. I think we have to make a, our own Facebook page, or maybe if Justin lets us use the Next Level Nerd Facebook page.
0: Yes, yeah, that or I. There's a way. I, I poked around with it. There's a way you can like make a group chat and 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 yeah. Make, somehow post that to to live we'll we'll play around with it yeah i uh...
1: definitely i love that idea of us just commenting on the game Mm -hmm. uh so no that's cool but no uh just just uh kind of bringing everything and kind of putting a bow on everything frank i know man um really, really took a week off we didn't do a show last week and I was going to try to put something out there socially, just, you know, just apologize for that. But Frank had a busy schedule. I had a busy schedule. We just couldn't get things going together. And Frank tried to make it happen Saturday. I will give Frank all the credit in the world this past Saturday of trying to make something happen. You were
0: gonna, yeah, but, I, yeah, I ended but up I'm to glad you canceled
1: because it wasn't going to work for me either. So yeah. I'm, glad you, 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 I'm glad you're the one who pulled the trigger on the cancel. <laughs> that but but no frank it's fun it's it's great to get back with you uh you know a lot of times like i feel like before we record frank and i always kind of debrief for a few minutes before we hit record i'm going off of a couple of days long long hours and short sleep nights so i told frank you know to kind of get it all out today and I, i'm off tomorrow it's like to sleep in a little bit but um i'm sticking around i'm staying up i got the fueled by the fiji water you can't really see it. there it is right kind of there is there there yes yep. fueled by the fiji water so uh Let's get into this. And um I didn't know what, what order we were gonna hit this up, right? But you know what? You know, the NFL's hot. Let's go with the NFL. Let's lead off the NFL. Since I'm kind of since I'm kind of into it, um I'll let you uh so yeah. I'll you introduce it.
0: Yeah, Bronson. so weeks five and six took place in the NFL since our last episode. And um, you know, looking at the schedule, I have weeks five and six uh, out there. Um Arizona has stayed hot. They're the only unbeaten left. Um you know, kind of building like a golden state warriors team out there in the desert with, you know, bringing in JJ watt. You know, I know he's a veteran, but, uh, they get AJ green. Um, that's kind of a quiet move. He got, he finally leaves the Bengals, um, to, you know, to join Deandre Hopkins, like what a wide receiver tandem that is. Um, our boy, James Connor, our pit guy goes out there staying healthy, doing good things there. And of course, number one over overall pick Kyler Murray is just, you know, doing his thing with the arm and the legs. So, uh, you know arizona hot at six and oh um we saw kansas city um kind of get right against uh they the they big loss to buffalo and then they get right against the washington football team um that's,
1: but they, cut you off. that's a pretty good way to put it get it get right there with yeah a piece. and i um, do want to for you not that i'm you know i'm in the mood of cutting frank off uh since we last recorded uh Big NFL trade, Zach Ertz going from the Eagles to the to the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, I forgot about that. They The Cardinals have loaded up, you know, kind of just getting – they're kind of trying to build that super team out there. And uh, I, I, I don't mind it. they're a team that I hope uh, makes a long playoff run. I, like, I, I'm trying to pull up the standings and see where and, we and, sit. And
1: you know, right? I'll buy Frank time while he's doing that, actually. Best thing, I even thought this past Sunday was the most impressive win of all of them, you know, with Cliff Kingsbury out due to COVID – uh protocols and him being out. So they don't have their head coach going into they, were, they went to Cleveland to leave, right? Or was mm. that were they were down were they down in Arizona?
0: They they, they went, went to Cleveland. In, in Cleveland, yeah.
1: Yeah, in Cleveland, not their head coach. Uh, you know, that you know, the Southwest going to the Northeast, no coach, you know, having to deal with a lot of, you know the, the trade the uh, the Ertz trade had happened that Thursday. So he wasn't allowed to play Sunday because uh, the Ertz played the uh the Buccaneers uh game like the Eagles um, they've come east, now, uh, tw- uh, three times in one Bronson in
0: Jacksonville uh, t- started the season in Tennessee and now in Cleveland so a lot of yeah. their, their travel part of their schedule is is over now and they're, they're, they're perfect still and, that, so.
1: and that's and that's what sounds even more dangerous they did that but they don't have they don't have Cliff Kingsbury in the house and then they just stomped the Browns they kind of put the Browns back you know kind of back down to planet earth a little bit there but uh, the, the the Cardinals are just so scary Frank and it's like you know, you have D- uh, D- uh, Dondra Hopkins. You have A.J. Green. Even even the lower level receiver, You know, guys like that. It was that like Christian Kirks there? All those yeah. guys. And it's like now that now they're going to have Zach Ertz and a potent weapon at tight end. You think about the Edmonds combination with 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 James Connor. Um, it just you really, it's it's like it's like they just keep chugging along and it's like they're getting it's, like they're just building momentum and playing better as a football team. And you wonder when they will lose. You feel eventually it will happen, but uh, you know they're just a very dangerous team. And Kyler Murray has been all that and and then some. And uh, it's 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 just it's fun to watch as a fan. And um, no, just uh, they have a big
0: one coming up. Week eight, they have Green Bay coming to town. Yeah, that'll
1: be that'll uh, be a big game. It could is that, is possibly that, uh, it could be.
0: I don't know what night of the week it is. If it's like the night game or not, but they could be. Um, seven and oh in green bay, green bay could be six and one i was so gonna would...
1: say if that was a sunday night game right? like we're we're not into the flex option yet so
0: mm-hmm.
1: i do not uh that that it actually is a sunday night game
0: no thursday
1: night or thursday night i'm sorry yeah so we
0: may we may we may be recording during that game that'll be a good yeah. one yeah oh, yeah the one. 28th
1: yeah okay oh, sorry set, i saw the set, 820 i saw yeah. the 820 and, and uh boldly thought maybe it was a sunday night game
0: uh Seven and oh versus six and one possibility there. Um touching upon some other teams, Bronson, Dallas. Um, since that opening night loss, um, five straight wins. And I'm also a person that is okay with Dallas being good and making a run. Um, I like Dak Prescott, Mike McCarthy, you know, local local coach. Um, yeah, we don't want to see them get, you know, a sixth ring, I guess, to equal the the Steelers, but uh I'm over the whole Dallas rivalry thing, and they've just been great. They played New England in just a back-and-forth overtime thriller last week, um, and they took care of the Giants the week before that. So Dallas red-hot. Um, the Rams red-hot, Bronson, their only loss this year was, uh, I believe, all oh, to Arizona. So their only losses to the unbeaten Cardinals. Um, they've just won two tough road games in Seattle and in New York Giants. At the New York Giants, so uh, yeah, er, uh, everybody kind of expected the Rams to be good. They're looking up at the Cardinals, um, but only one game back, five and one for Aaron Donald and company. Um, they've been exciting. Green Bay, who took care of the Steelers a few weeks back, um, they you know they sit at five and one as well. Always a, a, a perennial contender to go to the at least the NFC Championship game or further. Um, Roger's still at his age, doing his thing. Um, NFC North as a whole kind of after that. Minnesota, Chicago, both at 500. Detroit still winless. Um, not sure when, uh, is that Dan Campbell, the head coach here, when he's going to get that first W uh, that off the schneid there. Um, as expected, Tampa Bay with Tom Brady, they've rolled to a 5-1 and one start. Uh, their only loss Bronson was to the Rams who I mentioned are, you know, off to a hot start as well. That one was in LA. Uh, so that's I have a
1: feeling that there is a chance those two teams could rematch Frank. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling that the Rams will probably be going down to Tampa for that one.
0: So, Tampa and the Rams, an old rematch of that 99 NFC Championship game. Yeah. 11 6 score with Sean King, uh, quarterback. Sean King. Oh, the two my lane, God. The two lane uh, product, the quarterback. That's
1: Sean team. King.
0: That game had such a the, the, you expected high powered offenses. I remember, I believe it was an 11 6 final or something really weird. But, uh, Jumping over to the AFC Bronson and I'll let you jump in after. I know I'm taking the the brunt of these. I might
1: cut you off a little bit when I feel it's time to to give you my, my clip here,
0: but, uh, going, going over to the AFC, we've seen Buffalo kind of get back on track after the opening week loss to our Steelers. They're four and two, um, new England at two and four, which is kind of where they sat after six games last year. And everybody was kind of shocked. Uh, you know, it's not all Max Jones' fault. I know it's a learning curve with him, but uh, they, they, you know, they lose the big one to the uh, Brady and the Bucks at home, and then they kind of have maybe a hangover after that. Um, they almost lose in Houston to a bad Texan team, yeah, but pull that out, and then they get Dallas at home, and you know they lead Dallas late, game-tying field goal. Dallas with the walk-off touchdown uh, in overtime that the the, the pass to I think C.D. Lamb, um, yeah to win that with a touchdown. So they lose they to they
1: have the Jets coming up here.
0: So, they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll. I guess the phrase we've been saying is get right. They'll probably get right against the Jets, but then they go out and they have to play the Chargers and uh, then to Carolina. So a tough two-game road trip there. New England could be staring at maybe a three and six. So, uh, yeah, t- t- tough going for them. Um, Miami, they, they actually – Jacksonville and Miami. Whoa, whoa, probably-
1: whoa, whoa. Hold on, Frank. Okay, go ahead. Houston by Jacksonville. 53-yard potential game winner. Mattisick is the long snapper. Cook is the holder. Matthew Wright signed off the Good street. Former To win it. It's away! And he got it! He got it! Jacksonville wins and ends the second longest losing streak <laughs> in NFL yeah. history. 20 and a row. Stay with me here. Cut that off and then hit to the music.
0: Matthew Wright, the former Steeler.
1: <laughs> a little London calling for the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> Urban Meyer gets his first career NFL win in now, London. Did, did he skip Has any the NFL player <laughs> ever gotten their first career win in another country?
0: Probably the first. Uh, did he skip the team flight back to uh, the, the States? The state <laughs> if people
1: United were saying to, that on Twitter. Is it's the a question, state. yeah. He said he would. He would turn London inside out.
0: <laughs> no, but but uh, yeah. So good for Jacksonville. They get their first win. Uh, bad for the Dolphins as they fall to one in five. Brian Flores, I'm hearing, is already in the hot seat after a you know a good uh, first campaign uh, coming over from the Patriots. I don't know what's. It's kind of all falling apart down there in Miami. And and now uh,
1: and now it appears the uh, the the talks for uh, Deshaun Watson are, are rapidly heating up down there.
0: I still don't know who's going to touch him with the 20 counts of assault and everything going on with him. It's kind of going to be interesting. I think
1: I think, I think there are people down in Miami who are willing to take that risk right now. So, um, Bronson,
0: yeah, I'll, jump, I'll jump out yeah, west.
1: No, keep
0: going. Uh, the, the surprise leader in the – well, maybe not a surprise of some, but leader out in the AFC West, the LA Chargers. I've liked the way they've played so far this year. Don't say this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bronson's got sporting a Chargers shirt with the old San Diego Charger so we're going to watch the swear jar if we say Oakland or San Diego this year but uh or if we say Redskins but uh Four four and two for the Chargers. I've watched a lot of their games on Red Zone, and they they've looked great. Uh, Herbert's fun to watch. Austin it's Eckler, insane,
1: Frank Herbert's been playing so great this they, year. They
0: they did lay an egg in their most recent game, but against a tough Baltimore opponent coming east. Yeah, um, Baltimore smacked them good. I think thirty four to six. So the offense didn't look good there. A lot of stuff to work on if you're the Chargers. They do have a buy to get things fixed um, this week. Um, so, but the Chargers still. Sitting pretty good at four and two, tied with the Vegas Raiders, um, also at four and two. Um, and in last place is the Chiefs, three and three, tied with Denver. Um, the Chiefs have been so up and down here, you know, back to back Super Bowls they've gone to, and you know, they started with a win against Cleveland, they lose in Baltimore, you know, at the last seconds because of the fumble. They lose a, a stunner at home to the Chargers. They go to Philly and win. They lose to the Buffalo. Buffalo finally got that KC monkey off their back. And then they win in Washington. So the Chiefs have gone win, loss, win, loss, win, loss this year, kind of alternating. And um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if Mahomes and Reed and everybody there, if they all, you know, I think they got some injuries. They got to get healthy and where they end up, because I think most people had them at 13 and four. Uh, 12-5, and which still sounds so weird to say. I cannot add these numbers to 17. But uh, (laughs) I think, you know, see if they have a a win streak in them. Uh, Upcoming, they have uh, Tennessee this week. So any, you know, road game at Tennessee, this could be another Chiefs loss. Then they host the Giants. Then they host Green Bay. What a big one that'll be, the Chiefs and Packers. Um, At Vegas, tough one. Home to Dallas, another good one. Chiefs and Dallas.
1: This is the uh, price they're paying for doing so good last year, honestly. Yeah,
0: tough schedule. They host Denver. They host Vegas. Like, the schedule just doesn't get easy for the Chiefs. Um, ASC North Bronson, our division of Steeler fans, uh, kind of disappointed that Baltimore seeming to run away with it. I thought they'd get tripped up somewhere. You know, they almost uh, could be 6-0 and if you remember that uh, Monday night game that took overtime that uh, Derek Carr had, to, you know, a couple of chances in overtime, and it took a turnover for them to win it baltimore was driving to win the game with justin tucker all they needed was a tucker field goal and baltimore would be six and they like arizona yeah um, they do have a couple luck they're also
1: they're also a dunked field goal in detroit away from losing that game
0: right right so it, it, it took a 66 you know, a nfl record field goal so they they kind of even the pendulum
1: out. of justice always seems to right. kind of make it, it, it right it
0: evens out five and one though for baltimore um with a two game lead on Cleveland and Pittsburgh with since he, you know, sandwiched in between and second at four and two Burrow and company. Um, they've been, maybe the dar- they've been the darlings, maybe the NFL at four and two and the Bengals have, uh, you know, they've beaten uh the, the, the Vikings, the bears, they beat the Steelers. They, they, I think they lost to the Bears. They did. And then they beat Jacksonville. They lost to Green Bay late, which I was happy about to see them, you know, kind of come back to earth. And then they take care of business in Detroit. Big one this week, Bronson. They go to Baltimore. So match up the first and second place. Um, Baltimore is a six point favorite. I don't think the, uh, like, Vegas odds makers are, are thinking the Bengals are for real. I thought the line would be a little closer to three there, but a six, I think, six and a half point spread. I expect that to, um, to lower to about four by the time the game comes along. But um, yeah. And then the South, uh, you know, the FC South is kind of forgotten by many. It's a division. I don't pay. much.
1: Attention
0: to. <laughs> Seems like a new winner emerges every year, but the Titans are four and two. And then the Colts at two and four in Houston and Jacksonville, at one and five. It actually looks like the Titans might cakewalk to this. And hopefully they, uh, they don't get complacent and uh try to win that division at nine and eight and and, and sneak and kind of back into the playoffs or something because it does it looks like the Titans are gonna be the Chicago White Sox uh of the NFL and just have that <laughs> a hold on that division from seemingly the start. But uh
1: I know yep. I know early I'd been I'd been taught in the Colts early, Frank, but I think my buddy Jeff Parker had like the greatest whatever ever last week. He said he he said Carson Wentz is either elite. Terrible, or as br, as sturdy as peanut brittle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, so that's I know Colts fans frustrated by that. They just can't seem to get traction, and all, they're 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 rattled with injuries. um But yeah, Bronson. So weeks five and six are in the books. um Touched upon some of the bigger games that took place over that span. Uh, we are back in London, which I was shocked. Back to back weeks, the Jets took on the Falcons, and then. That one Bronson played a clip there,
1: Dolphins and Jag. So, I was I was see- watching that one live in the morning. Like I got up early it's on fun, Sunday. Yeah, fun,
0: yeah, have some coffee, some Sunday morning football, football all day. It's kind of cool. I caught a little bit of it, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's good that the NFL is back doing their London thing. H- Hater love it. I know it's a polarizing topic. Um, but even with covid and everything i'm shocked that they did it um but you know everybody got tested and all that and everybody that was on the planes and the crews probably had to get negative tests and then um they i believe they get their bye week after that london trip so yeah uh you know everybody kind of chance to quarantine too and take a take a breather after the jet lag but uh but yeah, Bronson. I don't know if anything stood out over those 2 weeks. I kind of went through it. We're not going to go over scores, but I went yeah, through it. Yeah, he
1: covered it pretty well. Yeah, pretty I went good. through
0: the standings. Uh I'll turn it over to you now to anything NFL-wise that's been jumping out and uh what you would
1: like to talk about. Now. Uh, actually, I thought you really you covered it exceptionally well. Um he uh, said, I was watching, I watched that uh, Miami Jacksonville game live in, in London. And it's kind of cool because, like, most of the time in London, you do see a plethora of different NFL jerseys because I'm sure there's people there, you know, who are diehard NFL fans. And it's the game is growing over there. You see it. Um, but uh, you know, I feel like a lot of people in, in England have kind of adopted Jacksonville as their team. So, like for them, to get their first win there is kind of cool because, like I said, mm-hmm. they're Jacksonville's been kind of you know the late winners like year. yeah the England team, mm-hmm. um, and it's always it's always funny because I love that 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 analogy. Uh, Dan Patrick had uh, Rebecca Lowe on his show a couple years ago, and she's the one that does the 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 Premier League coverage for NBC Sports. Mm-hmm and she's from uh from England and he said how how how, uh, how the jaguars are, are England's team and she goes she couldn't even say it right she's like the jaguars or yeah. the jag that she was like the jaguars and, and they the have the
0: the car the jaguar the car is like british yeah. isn't it the jaguar yeah the jaguar
1: uh, but then, and then the Dan Patrick's like, you know, hey, if, if we're gonna give you the Jags, you know, you should at least give us one of your Premier League teams. Let us have like Crystal Palace or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, let, let us have a, have a have a Premier League team. You know, just like have one represent, like, by the United States and then you know it was it was like a playful argument there but i thought it was kind of cool it would be cool if like the premier league would like play a match here in the united states and, like have one match be here
0: haven't they done like an M- mls all stars versus yeah they've uh, done Kelsey? that like, and yeah.
1: sometimes like like Manchester United or Liverpool will bring like their, like their B team or C team, like to play at Heinz field or to play at Fenway yeah. park or to play at, at Gillette stadium or something like that. But it'd be cool for like, you know, not going off a of different subject about you know soccer, but it'd be cool if like the Premier league had like a, at least had one match or something in America, like try to get that going. But, but no, Frank, you covered it really well at the NFL and the Cardinals are hot. You know, obviously the hiccup against the Ravens aside, the uh, the L A Superchargers, as Gus Johnson would say in the Madden game, um, they're rolling, you know. And uh, Herbert, you know, it's funny, like you know, we're talking about this, this, you know, dude, Does Miami trust Tua Tagovailoa? Um, are they trying to get Deshaun Watson? But it's like now, maybe you you took the wrong quarterback because you know they they took they took Tua over, right? The way the order was, I think they took Tua over Justin Herbert. Yeah. If I go back, and it's like. You could have had a guy like justin herbert possibly and and i know herbert had some of his quirks and issues coming into the you know into the nfl draft but it looks like the Chargers really locked in and got themselves you know the the, the perfect heir apparent to the move on from philip rivers um and it's cool to see them doing well and it's weird to see the kansas city chiefs and last frank and then uh and then obviously what's going on with the raiders well and i'll cover that you know later in the show but um no, I mean it's 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 fun. The NFL is always so fun, and how you know how we how much we think we know about the league, and then there's always a game that just changes everything, you know. And, uh, and a couple more games like that will happen. That's just the way the, how the NFL goes. But no, it's been a fun. And, and right now we're 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 going to get going into our uh, seventh week of the season here, and so uh, just been uh, impressive ball to watch and. Fun to see, you know. Fun to see some of the, the big games. Obviously, Tampa and New England a couple weeks ago was the must-watch game, and even people, Frank, Frank, people I know who don't even watch sports watch that game, you know, because it was hyped up so well. And so, um, just, and just growing sports and growing the game, and uh, uh, the best, maybe, possibly yet to come. But uh, no, just, just a good couple weeks. And, and like I said, you covered it, so, so you were very well done in the way you covered the last two weeks.
0: Yeah, Bronson, that's exciting. Like I touched upon some of the matchups to come, so it's like the NFL just getting started with 17 games. Um, Joe Starkey on the fan joke: There's 30 games left. <laughs> like it feels like there's 30 games left still, but uh, yeah, with with uh, with six in the book, there's 11 to go, and just uh, you know, tons of great matchups still remaining. Um, I've been busy the last couple Sundays, but I can't wait for the next Sunday where I can sit with Red Zone and kind of go back and forth and and watch a bunch so uh it's uh and and playoff races are gonna get tight you know there are seven teams they're still t- they're, they're taking seven from each conference still and um it's just gonna be so tight to, f- to follow these wild card races and see who can get in we we hope the Steelers can make it um probably a good transition we'll um next up we're going to talk about how the Steelers have done the last couple weeks and um as Steeler fans Bronson and I follow them closely and You know, I I was able to watch both of these games, uh, you know, whistle to whistle. Uh, Steelers, as we all know, had the tough one and three start. And, uh, you know, probably our last episode, I guess, we were coming off the the Green Bay loss and sitting at one and three and talking about is Ben done? And, you know, should we should we tank and should the Steelers just tank and look for a draft pick? Uh, Should we put in Rudolph? Should we put Ben on IR? Is he done? Well. You know, Bronson, what a difference a couple weeks makes because the Steelers kind of, as the phrase of the night, they get right and they get a couple home games and they get a couple Ws. Uh, Denver and Seattle came in. Uh, The Steelers' offense seemed to finally start to click. I think they're getting some cohesion on that offensive line, starting to run downhill a little bit with Najee Harris. He got over 100 yards. He was... You know, he was running, like I said, running downhill, just punishing defenders, um, making some big plays like you saw on the, the tape from Alabama. You know, the hurtling people, the spin moves, the patience, like, you know, reminding everybody of Le'Veon Bell, the power, the speed, um, everything that we wanted in our, our first-round pick. And Najee Harris is coming along with that line, helping out. Ben seems to have some more time. He's starting to get the ball downfield, some deep passes. And uh everything's kind of okay in Steelerland now, Bronson, as we sit three and three with those two wins. Um, I think you and I both I I said four and two at the bye. I can't remember what you said. You might have been right on at three and three at the bye. Um, but uh it's a it's kind of good, uh,
1: he, you to- really want to go report card this far, huh? You yeah, really want to go report card.
0: You might have to look it up as I finish here, but uh, oh, I, I
1: got it. It's on the show notes here, Kyle. But uh,
0: Steelers are three and three at the buy. It's it's not too bad. You know they are two back of the Ravens, but they ha- they haven't played them yet. They have two left with the Ravens. Um, they mm-hmm. have a re- they have a revenge game with the Bengals left and two left with Cleveland. So five division games left, Bronson. This AFC North is not is far from over. Um, And also, like I said, the three wild cards are there. So a 9 10 win team probably gets you in. Um, Do I see six more wins on the Steelers schedule? Seven more wins? I don't know. But uh, this buy buy comes at a good time to get healthy. You know that TJ's probably got like maybe the the hamstring still, um, nagging, like little things. Um, You know, what did transpire in this two week span was Juju Smith Schuster's loss for the year. So. That's that's a bummer, you know, you know, shout out to Juju. I know he's uh, some people love him. Some people hate him, but
1: uh, kind of played his last snap as a Steeler too.
0: I think he'll get one more prove it year deal Bronson just because of the injury. And we might just do this all over again um, and have one more year with him If especially if Ben's back one more year, like some people think. Um, Ben and Juju might both come back For the one year thing next year but if Ben's Gone I bet you Juju's gone But uh, yeah, yeah, sad to see because he You know he some people think he's not really Serious because of the TikTok and all That but he kind of came out with a couple Emotional interviews and speeches where He broke down and said you know He's so passionate about the game and wants to Win and loves the guys and hate to see Anybody lost for the year so Juju will be out we're going to need James Washington To step up Ray, Ray Ray McLeod's been getting A lot more snaps um so that was a big injury but other than that i hear stephon Tuitt's kind of been sighted around the, the 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 facilities and uh, maybe during the bye week he's getting himself physically ready um, be good to see him bolster that defense if he can pull this year so um, but i'm imp- i'm impressed with the offense Bronson just getting a little bit better that offensive line the running it they're mixing it up more they're starting to do some trick plays they're starting to do some you know, misdirection. The run to Eric Ebron was such a cool play. Um, they're involving Claypool in the deep passing game. They're Deontay's doing his thing over the middle with the short passes. They're starting to become less predictable offensively, which I love to see. I think Matt is getting the playbook opened a little bit like we asked for. And, um, you know, I will say this, though, Bronson, they beat a Seattle team without Russell Wilson. So... Who knows how that would have went if Russell plays? Seattle probably beats us because it took overtime, and it took TJ Watt going out of his mind with two amazing plays in that game. You know, thank goodness they paid him that money, and he's well worth it because he want he single handedly won yeah. us the Seattle game. Uh, we had a great first half; I think we were shutting them out, but Seattle came out great adjustments after the second half by Pete Carroll. They started to run the ball really well with Collins. Um and, and got right back into the game. And I really thought Seattle was gonna win. Um, it just took a couple turnovers late, uh, took took a couple sacks on third down by TJ Watt and a turnover and overtime. But uh so I'm not I'm not 100 percent back that the Steelers are like right at the ship and everything's perfect because they, they squeaked by a Seattle team without Russ Wilson. So I must say that. But you know, you know, the phrase a win is a win is a win, and they're at three and three. It's a, it's best you could have hoped for after they were one and three, and um, they're gonna at least gonna keep us us as fans interested in, in, in the you know down to the wire hopefully with a wild card or division race this year, as it was kind of looking bleak that they might go four and thirteen and really tank. So, um, yeah, Bronson, I didn't talk much about the Denver game because of course the the memories are fading. Um, but that that was the game that kind of really broke out and looked really good, and that was you know Bridgewater played um so they weren't against the backup um denver was was pretty much their full squad and we you know denver made it close late but the score wasn't indicative the steelers were up by like two two or three scores that whole game denver kind of pushed it close late and it, they were driving and it took like i think a, a pierre interception at the end to ice it and and he's been a player that's really impressed uh pierre and so has norwood like the 7th round pick out of oklahoma norwood um a lot of potential for him i think to, to be a future stud um but yeah bronson denver seattle let me know what you think um i'll turn it back over to you now as i need a breather um and i, I think you have an interesting perspective on the seattle game and you'll have to tell us what that is
1: yeah and uh no it's funny because you you mentioned the, the start of the the way things look bad for the steelers to start the season but I don't know if you know this, I was watching, a couple of years ago I watched an episode of Anger Management, it's the show that Charlie Sheen was in, and they kind of made it off of the Jack Nicholson, uh, Adam Sandler movie, and they were talking about, uh, you know, uh, more about dull things, but they were talking about a slump buster. Like when you're just in a funk and you need something to get you out of that funk, it's called a slump buster. Right. Well, I think the Steelers kind of had that with the Denver Broncos. And I, I admit, I did not watch much of that game because uh, I, I was playing hockey and had other commitments that Sunday, Frank. So I was kind of, I watched the highlights and yeah, you know, it was a close game to the end there too. But, you know, Denver, Denver was kind of like that slump buster that the Steelers needed there to, to, to get the, to get the W to get things as, has been the theme of tonight's show, get right. If we, if we labeled the episode tonight, the title would be, it would be get right. Mm-hmm. They needed to get right with that win against the Denver Broncos. And um, there were still some, you know, glaring errors in the Steelers offense and and, and defense a little bit to an extent, missing some guys and maybe miss execution due to injuries. But at least they got that win there. And then they go to Seattle or Seattle comes to, to, to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers on Sunday Night Football, Frank. Um, I mentioned earlier about, you know, optioning in and out of games. I'm, I'm sure... Uh, the NBC probably wanted an option out of this game after the Russ Wilson injury on Thursday night in the football game. Uh, but uh, no, they had to keep that game on the schedule. So you get a Geno Smith versus Ben Roethlisberger matchup, uh, Geno Smith returning to Heinz field. I think, uh, what maybe he was there once as a jet, maybe, but, uh, basically since the last time he played for West Virginia against Pitt. Um, and Frank, you're right. I did have a, 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 a good perspective on it because, uh, Sunday afternoon, I got an offer, uh, uh for a ticket to go to the game so i was i was actually in the house i was at the old heinz field there i was in the house watching uh, the game live so uh i i saw every snap and every uh, every pass every ball thrown every ball is thrown etc etc um alex collins frank i was calling him the beast mode uh, 2.0 and y'all remember, too, when he played for the Ravens, he, he was always a Steeler killer, too. So he kind of kept the, the theme going there. And like you said, Frank, he, he kicked it on in the second half. They really didn't do too much in the first half. And I don't know whether the Steelers defense was just uh, on skates or, or sucking win or whatever. But uh, they, they uh, you know, maybe it was just some sort of adjustment. The Seahawks did in the second half. But Alex Collins went on. He went on a run there and uh, rumbling, bumbling, stumbling, as Chris uh, Berman would say. He was kind of. He was dominating that Steelers defense at, at the, in the trenches there and it allowed the Seahawks – it was the kind of the catalyst for the Seahawks coming back into the game. Uh, some key situations, Frank, the Steelers defense couldn't get off the field on third downs. Uh, Geno Smith allowed time to complete passes. Um, you know, you know, Russ is hurt, but those receivers aren't hurt. So as long as Geno can find the ball somewhere in their neighborhood, in their galaxy, they can snag that ball in there. And one thing you didn't mention, which I'm sure you, you didn't uh, – you know, you didn't mean to leave it out or you you kind of teeing me up here was how we got to overtime in the first place on that. The the ball that was caught, was it a fumble? And then they spiked the ball, not in time because the clock hits zero, but then all of a sudden, no, the refs stop it because they want to look and make sure that was a catch, which was completely obvious. that It was a catch, but because of everything after the review is null and void, it didn't happen. They put time back on the clock. I love the Seahawks time to spike the ball. They pull Myers on the field. He kicks the field goal and we go to overtime. And before I move on, I want your view on that because I know I can tell the way you look on your face. You're you're, you're raring to go.
0: Well, it was so chaotic, Bronson. and I, I kind of was mad at the time because I saw how mad Tomlin was. But watching it on TV, you didn't get the benefit of them explaining things and then bringing yeah. in Terry McCauley and everything. Um, so the, Metcalf fumbled it. And I think the he fumbled it in bounds, so he couldn't get out of bounds. And the clock was running, and the the booth was hitting that buzzer for the referee. And the referee, as long as he feels that buzzer, that's when time stops. So okay. it it hit triple zeros, and of course everybody's like rushing the field. It's over. Fans think it's over, but the buzzer in the ref's pocket went off at like three seconds. So that's why they put three on. Um, they. They had me excited because they said um, a backwards fumble under 10 seconds has a 10 second runoff or something. I thought they were going to call a 10 second runoff game over, but uh, if you just let it play out, the the other guy that recovered the fumble really was smart. He threw it to the ref real quick, rushed up. You know, if boy, if the Steelers would have just held on to him like you know, lay on him for a second more, yeah um it still wouldn't that would have been mad because they would have done the whole review thing and it would have cost us but they still spiked it with one second left playing it out for real so either way i think they would have had time um they 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 said oh we're reviewing it now and we're putting three back and then rolling the clock but now for
1: the perspective of what maybe because i'm i'm looking at a scoreboard and at the play going on the field Mm-hmm. i saw it was zero when he had the ball and he spiked it but then again i don't have the luxury of the nbc broadcast I don't all the luxury of that the show so i was watching I think it. it's probably I, right
0: yeah i mean the nbc clock is not like official so i don't know yeah. but there he's definitely spiked it with still one on the tv clock um but, yeah, to, the review put three back on, and then it, what it did was, like, let them get set so they can spike it. The other one, they were, like, mad scramble to spike it, but he still spiked it with one on the TV clock. Yeah.
1: Tomlin it it, would, it really would have been mad. a bigger issue had had the Seahawks won. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it was, so, would have been all over ESPN had the Seahawks won the game that way.
0: It reminded um, me of, like, Lloyd Carr, 2005 Penn State and Michigan. Um, Penn State would have been undefeated that year. It was the year they won the, the Orange Bowl against Florida State. And they might have won a national title. Their only loss was to in Michigan in Ann Arbor when Lloyd Carr pulled the referee like over, whispered something into his ear, and all of a sudden, like four seconds appeared on the clock extra. And Penn State fans were just livid. They were having a fit. And they still talk about it to this day that like Lloyd Carr just like coerced the referee to adding time and they won like on it with one second left on a field goal or something um or i think it was a walk-off touchdown actually with like one tick on the clock but yeah it reminded me of that and i thought it was gonna bite the steelers luckily we went in overtime and overtime again i'll let you get back to it Bronzo, but overtime, i there's back and forth when both teams punt it's like man you had a chance to go win it and now you have to punt and all, all now seattle all they need is a field goal and uh, and and you know it was it was nerve wracking and like I said T J Watt came through but uh, I'll let you get back to you describing it but yeah that was my thoughts on that final kind of sequence. No,
1: there. it was funny because uh, what uh, who had who had first possession the Seahawks right? Yeah, they won the toss.
0: Uh, another weird thing is Russell Wilson being allowed to call
1: the toss. I was <laughs> screaming at the TV.
0: My wife Katie, who produces the show uh, for us, was you know we were watching this together, and I'm like. They they are breaking a rule. Uh, an inactive player cannot call the toss. And I and I wasn't officially sure of that. And I um it's probably not a rule, but I am for certain that you should have to be a uniformed active player to go out into the middle of the field and call the toss. I thought he would just stand there. He actually called it. I was like, yeah. and when they won it, I, I said, this game is filed under protest. I said, <laughs> as soon as Seattle won the toss, I said, the Steelers are playing this game under protest. Oh, he is an, Lord. In, he is an ineligible caller of the coin what
1: toss.
0: In street clothes, calling the toss. I was dumbfounded by that. And, and not?
1: Sorry, and Collins,
0: not. Sorry, Collinsworth and Michaels were perplexed as well. That was Tarico. T- sorry, yeah. yeah um, called, and and Collinsworth were. St- they were like, I've never seen this before In my life, and they were yeah. they, they thought it was odd too, but sorry, go ahead
1: At least it was a little luck to be the ref or something Who knows, but <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, but Toriko called the game because Al Michaels decided he was just going to take a week off, and he was like, "Yeah, hey Russ is hurt. I'm taking this week off." I didn't even
0: like. <laughs> I didn't even register that. I i had it on with like sound low the whole night. Well, no, it was
1: funny because I I texted. I have a group chat with the boys, and I said about Al Michaels taking a week off, and and my buddy Shane from he works on Vegas, he just takes a week off. He said five months off. What do you mean he'd take <laughs> a week off? he's taking off? It's got five months. He's off. getting up there. I think Al Michaels is nearing eighty. Yeah. But no, so you know, what transpired transpires. No, but what was funny was, so Seattle takes possession of the ball. You know, Pittsburgh gets a key stop. Then they give the ball back to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh goes out. they don't get it. and they have to give it because wait, Seattle had the ball twice. yeah, right? Yeah, so they, so then <laughs> so then, when Seattle gets the ball back the second time, the referee goes, he gets on the on on the on the on the last speaker and he goes, the game is now at sudden death, and the next score <laughs> wins the game. Like that was no, that was last drive. <laughs> when right, when Pittsburgh right. takes the ball over, then it's sudden that, death.
0: Right. He <laughs> he messed that up. I didn't hear that. Yeah. And then
1: in the first quarter, I forget who the head referee was. They they call the whatever the penalty was. So please reset the game clock. And then when he when you hit the whistle to rewind the clock, he didn't turn the microphone off. So he blew everybody in the top section where oh. I was sitting eardrum out by blowing the whistle with the with the mic still on, the hot mic still on. Uh, oh, it was been, horrible. He's a newer ref, lots to learn. <laughs> so yeah, the whole entire like you can hear the whole entire top section is ah. Oh, man. <laughs> so no, but to kind of bring it off, and then and then it's like you know Seattle gets the ball back, and you're like for the second drive, and it's like oh no. Like we 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 avoided one last drive. What's going to happen now to this this drive, and and uh, the Steelers, and then TJ watches just, just just balls out in overtime. They get the strip sack and then uh, remember they get the, they have the fumble, the strip sack and they get the ball back, and then right there you're in field goal range, and, and it was just funny because I was like, they're not going to try to shoot for the end zone. They're going to try to they're going to try to kick the field goal. So then. <laughs> ben takes the snap, runs to the right, and then gets in the crawls in the huddle, and lays down. Uh, apparently that wasn't centered enough for Boswell, because then the next play they take another snap and Ben kneels the ball, like right in the middle. Like I gotta
0: talk about that, Bronson. Go ahead, go I, ahead. I was livid because why I know fumble is the risk, but why not a couple Harris handoffs to gain to get five or six more yards yeah. 37 38 is no guarantee in the open end of Heinz field like they pretty much like Ben falls down loses a couple yards then they do it again
1: like yield it because apparently it wasn't still wasn't centered enough
0: but why, why <laughs> I would just you don't try I guess but just trust Harris Get a get five, six, seven yards and make it a twenty-nine yarder. Like I
1: make it a chip I, shot, yeah. I
0: could not understand just giving up like that.
1: Yeah. And that's funny because I, I don't want to go back to another game week. I, I forgot to mention this. I was talking to my friends during that Jacksonville Miami game. Remember there was like what f- there was like five seconds left and the entire the the Kevin Harlan team I don't know who he was with Trent Green or whatever they're talking about well, what they're going to do to win the game like oh they're going to Hail Mary you know Trevor Lawrence is going to check in the end zone and all that and I'm the only person and they have a timeout Jackson still has the timeout. and I'm telling my friend Shane I told Shane on the phone like I'm like don't don't I was like I don't know why they're talking Hail Mary you can get it you can get a three four second slant across the middle call timeout, and, and give your kicker a chance. But no, the the entire CBS team was talking about the Hail Mary. And then sure enough, like, you know, Miami's goaltending the end zone and they spread the prevent defense out and then boom, snap, you know, one, two, three. Lawrence hits the slant across the middle, gets to the ground, which is. And then they they you know they call timeout which which what Miami should have did is just not even touch him just let the clock run out he's on the ground yeah don't let him get up and just let the clock run out and then take the win that way but you know they got flustered with the in game situation <laughs> uh, you know Jacksonville calls the timeout and you know right you know wins the field goal and the rest is history and we, we had earlier but but no uh, yeah it was it was weird because like Ben gets on the ground he cuddles up and like he's you know taking a nap and then the next play he kneels the ball like it wasn't centered enough for Boswell. And then, you know, know, thankfully he made the field goal because if he didn't make the field goal, I was going to lose my crap because they just like they catered the ball to Basel to put it right there. And and it it was good because both teams had already used their timeouts by then, too, so that you knew that, you know, they they weren't going to freeze them. And then he put it right he put it right through there and, and Pittsburgh escapes to the win and. Frank, you and I both had that as a win in Seattle, although we didn't think that Russell Wilson would would miss that game. We thought maybe it'd be a close one, and it was for all the right reasons we predicted. But uh, the the Steelers do win on Sunday Night Football against the Seahawks. As we approach the bye, Frank, to kind of wrap things up, um, you had the Steelers in the first six weeks going um, uh, four and
0: two.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So you actually were three and three so far this year your first three weeks you missed the last three weeks you nailed with the Green Bay loss the Denver and Seattle wins uh and, and then yeah uh, the Bills uh Vegas Raiders and since then you missed out on that one uh me I had the Steelers going two uh three and two in the uh, or I uh, know we're missing something one two I had four I had them going four and two in the first um part of the for the bye here um and I only missed one in terms of the, pr- the correct prediction was the Cincy game? I had them predicting the win. They actually lost that, so I was right. Week one, week two, and then and the loss of Green Bay in the wins against Denver, and Seattle. So you're three and three through the going into the bye, and I'm five and one on the Steeler predictions. Nice. So, um, and uh, next and and after the bye, it's going to be a heads up because Frank, you have Cleveland, uh, you have the the Browns losing to the Steelers. Um, the Steelers get their get get a win after the bye, and I have the Steelers losing. So. Um, you'll either have a chance to make up some ground or, uh, or fall deeper in in despair. <laughs> but, but uh, no, it, it, um, just uh, it was a fun time. Frankie, I was at Heinz Field. It was, it was my first Steeler game, probably again uh, since the Miami Dolphins Monday Night game when Mason Rudolph played. And uh, Mika Fitzpatrick had had a hell of a night that one that one night. So the last game, what time I went to it, was a Monday Night football game. This was a Sunday Night game. Um, wet, cold, but it was fun. I loved it and uh, being in the, with, with Steeler Nation. And uh, more importantly, you know, I had to be at work at Monday, and then of course it goes like twelve thirty. We're going into overtime. I know, but uh, but it's all worth it for a win. So at least they won. So I didn't, you know, soak in my tears going back to my car. So Uh, big ups to the Steelers, two in a row. Frank, there are problems still with this franchise. There are many. Uh, I do think that, you know, with with the way the offense is running, it still needs to get a hell of a lot better if they hope to beat anybody, any big, uh, good, talented teams. But you'll take a win anyway; you'll get it, and they'll take a win even without Russell Wilson. They'll take it either way. So Mm -hmm. um, we'll see what happens the next couple weeks, you know, at Cleveland, home against Chicago on Monday Night Football, and then home against the Lions. So maybe uh, more of an opportunity to beat on some bad teams here and uh, stack some wins up, Frankie.
0: Yeah the schedule actually gets a little bit easier um we do have the chargers a stretch where we got the chargers um Bengals and Ravens but yeah Cleveland team possibly without Mayfield um after a bye where we should uh, you know get healthy and all that um and then home to the 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 Bears and Lions uh got to win two out of those three at least and get the back back above 500 and uh going into that tougher stretch but like i said keep us interested you know although tanking might you know we've talked about this if you finish middle you draft middle you'll stay middle but um double m yeah that might what madden says but uh i want to be relevant i you know i, I just want to be in the hunt for a wild card or division. i don't know if we're you know when ben wraps it up is when we might have a couple four or five win seasons like the post yeah. uh like the uh, around the Maddox era, but, um,
1: Tommy good.
0: The Kent Graham year that, that got (laughs) us, you know, we had a year that got us Plexico Burris and then a year that got us big Ben. So, you know, picking top 11, you know, top 10, top 11 picks. And, uh, but, uh, no, yeah, they, they really, they, they took care of business at home, what they had to do to, to keep the season alive and not go into a free fall. So very excited about what's to come Bronson. And, um, we got a few other segments to get to now. Um, I, I wanted to jump into some baseball talk, Bronson, and I'm just going to, uh, you know, touch upon where the series uh, stand right now. We are in the NLCS and the ALCS so the championship series, um, the final four, if you will, of baseball. And you have the the Braves and the Dodgers and the Astros and the Red Sox. So. My prediction, as you all remember, was Tampa Bay and Atlanta, and unfortunately, Tampa was ousted in the first round by Boston. Uh, the controversial play in that series, Bronson, um, was a, 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 a ground rule double. Kevin Kiermaier, the Rays, and this is in pivotal Game 3 with the series tied at one, uh, best out of five. Kiermeyer hits a, a ball to deep right. It bounces off of the fielder Hunter Renfro and bounces into the crowd. And by rule, that's a ground rule double. Um, even though the fielder kind of flubbed it, bounced off of him into the crowd, they call that a ground rule double, which means the runner at first has to stop at third and the batter gets second base. Well, the the runner at first was going to score easy had the ball not bounced into the crowd. And that would have given the Rays the lead and, and, and it was like the 11th inning. And they probably would have shut the door and and taken the lead in the series. Well, everything changed there. They stranded the runners. Boston won it next inning, won the next night, and the series was over. So Rays fans, a tough one to swallow after a tough World Series to swallow last year. Luckily, they got the Buccaneers and the Lightning to kind of keep their their spirits afloat. They were flirting with uh, having champions at three sports at a time, which is unheard of. Um, If the Rays were, you know, the Rays were two wins away from it last year from Tampa holding three championships at once. But uh, that series was over in Boston, advanced Houston really dispatched to the White Sox pretty easily. Uh, The White Sox got one win in that series at home, I believe. But uh, Houston was quick to end it in game four. That set up the the ALCS of Houston and Boston Um, over in the National League. Uh, A great series was the Dodgers and Giants. And oddly enough, the first time they ever met in the playoffs, two franchises that started in New York uh, with the Brooklyn Dodgers and New York Giants moved to L.A. and San Francisco in 1958. 100 years of history between these two franchises, and they've never met in the postseason. I saw that stat, and I couldn't believe it. Uh, The Dodgers were able to win Game 5 and and a decisive winner-take-all Game 5. That series was so evenly matched, it came down to the end there, and it came down to like a late run in the 8th or ninth inning. Uh, I think Bellinger had the big hit. Um, Mm -hmm. Dodgers advance to their second straight NLCS. Uh, and they they're meeting them would be the Atlanta Braves so a rematch of last year's NLCS Frank nuts cut you off uh,
1: you were mentioning the 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 Rays and the and the Red Sox on on that the controversial ground rule double what about the controversial called third strike with the check right. swing
0: Yeah, that was in Game 5 with Wilmer Flores. Did he swing or not? With Max Scherzer actually closing the game out, so that was controversial. I hate to see a game end on that. I don't know. Umpires, I never know how they make that call. You have to have extremely slow motion. Uh, when you see it on the replay and how do they call that in real time from an angle down the baseline, that's not really the right angle. I've said this for years, the best angle to see checks wings would be somebody sitting in the dugout. It wouldn't yeah. be, it wouldn't be the umpire standing behind first base. I guess they're the only person to go to with some type of perspective on it, but that's been a long, a long controversy kind of thing in baseball is like who can call checks swings or not. They can't go to replay for it. It would take, you know, there's too many of them, but uh, yeah, so, yeah, that series ends. Um, and the Braves were waiting on the other side because they they took care of the Brewers in pretty easy fashion. Uh, even that great Brewers pitching staff, like I mentioned, without Devin Williams, who broke his hand, celebrating the, the clinching in the regular season. So sad that their bullpen was a little thinner than it should be. But the, uh, the Braves get past Milwaukee in four. Um, and right now, Bronson, these series sit pretty close to the end. The Braves and the Astros both one win away. From uh, punching their ticket to the World Series, it would be the first time they've ever met in the World Series. Uh, the Braves haven't appeared in a World Series since 1999, when they lost to the Yankees in that whole era of Glavin, Maddox, and Smoltz, uh, where they won 15 division titles but only one World Series. Uh, they haven't been there since '99, so over you know 20 years since they've they've been to a World yeah. Series,
1: and, then, and they've that. done all this with with. Uh key acquisitions of the deadline and, and uh, Ronald Acuna for the year. So,
0: Yeah, we touched upon it on this show around the deadline, how great Alex Anthopoulos didn't mail the season in when they lost their their franchise player. They went out and got four replacements for him, basically, which is insane. Uh, Jorge Soler, Jock Peterson, Adam Nabal, and Eddie Rosario, four acquisitions of outfielders. To take care of that uh, production of Acuna, and they've they've worked the four guys in some platoon situations, um, and they've all produced at such a high level. These guys are playoff performers, guys that especially have got, Jock
1: Peterson. He's Peterson, always
0: been yeah. Pe- Peterson's been clutch, you know. He's been there, done that with the Dodgers. Um, now he's biting his former team in the in the behind this series. Um, so they are currently losing Game Five. They're up three games to one. With a chance to clinch tonight, but the Dodgers looks like they're going to stave off elimination despite losing Justin Turner for the series uh, with a hamstring and Max Muncie with an elbow. So they're down two of their starters starting position players, but um, it looks like the Dodgers are going to make it go back to Atlanta and uh, have the Dodgers uh, or have the Braves have to clinch it at home. And boy, last year, Bronson. Atlanta had a three-one lead as well that they squandered. So it's going to be it's going to be in the back of their mind. They better take care of business in Game Six on uh, on Saturday night because
1: Charlie Morton's on the Braves, right? Too is Charlie Morton on the Braves? Yeah,
0: Morton went there. Yeah, kind of full circle for him. Drafted there before he came to the Pirates in the McLeod trade. Um, So he's back to where things started, doing pretty well. But uh, it's always
1: clutch in the playoffs, too. Right. with Houston and Tampa last year. And now I look with Atlanta. It's, it's incredible.
0: And he's, and he's doing it towards 40 years old and he's making 20 million a season. He's getting these, these big contracts just to still do what he does. Good for him. Kind of a late bloomer in his career. Yeah,
1: he, he was a good guy when he was here too. So he
0: started to find it here. He started the, you know, the ground Chuck, the ground balls. And he's, he a little bit of wildness. He could never put it together here Where where it really turned around was when he went to Philly after here. Um, yeah. he, he did well there and he parlayed that into a big contract in Houston and of course closed out game seven in their World Series run against the Dodgers. Um, but uh, yeah, the the Braves are going to have to get it done in Game Six Saturday night because then all the pressure goes to them if they if they force a Game Seven, and uh, I I believe Scherzer might be slated to go a Game Seven or Bueller, so they they probably yeah. have they, this this win tonight gets them Max Scherzer and Walker Bueller. So the Braves are going to the Dodgers are going to like where they sit, even though it's going back to Atlanta, they're going to be throwing Scherzer and Bueller. So look out um braves best pitcher max freed went tonight and kind of wasted a chance to clinch they're going to have to fall back to ian anderson and uh and morton morton will probably go game seven if needed so yeah um it's gonna be interesting to see if the the dodgers can pull that uh, that 3-1 deficit off again i kind of was talking to katie and i said who do i want out of these four you know i kind of stuck with the braves because i picked them out of the national league to start but uh It kind of would be interesting, Bronson, to see the Astros and Dodgers rematch that 2017 World Series. (laughs) You know, the whole Chris Taylor just hit his third home run, by the way. This might be – this is Reggie Jackson, kind of Mr. October. Chris Taylor has hit three home runs in the game, which in postseason lore has only happened a handful of times. Talk about Reggie Jackson in the 70s. They call him Mr. October for his three-homer game against the Dodgers as a member of the Yankees. But uh, just, right to, now, uh, just TBS, yeah, just to extend their lead uh, a little further, Chris Taylor now playing third base. Talk about a player, Bronson. The whole postseason he's been in left field. Justin I forgot Turner, Poulos
1: was on the team. I always thought yeah, he was on the
0: team. Justin Turner gets goes down to injury, and Chris Taylor has to play third. Um. So it changes position Moves to the infield tonight Hits three bombs
1: But then like so, you still Like what you still have You still have Bellinger You still have Muncie right You have what Corey Seager and, and Trey Turner Who won the batting title this year Trey
0: Turner came over with Scherzer Yeah they just I mean The rich get richer The biggest trade of the, the deadlock yeah. is You get the best two players On the Nationals Other than Juan Soto But uh, Muncie is out With an elbow injury So they're down Muncy. But you're right bets bellinger trey turner <laughs> just all-star after all-star so uh four hit night with three homers for chris taylor i want them to put a stat up there how many three homer games yeah. been but, uh, uh bronson la and houston would be a, a good rematch you know with houston not being able to cheat with the trash cans this year who uh oh you no so do the dodgers <laughs> maybe maybe get revenge on them for that 2017 uh, Boston and LA, of course, would be a rematch of the 2018 World Series, so that would be something interesting. Uh, Atlanta against Houston and Atlanta against Boston—really, no history between those teams, so that one would be maybe not as not as a sexy of a matchup. Excuse me, but uh, that's where it stands. Yeah, that's where it stands, Bronson. Uh, tomorrow night on and Bellinger's
1: Friday. two for three, and now he's on base again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, tomorrow night, Bronson game, uh, game six in Houston. Uh, the Astros go back home and can sh- and can shut the door on the Red Sox. And this series, yeah. Bronson, this series has been interesting, Bronson, because Houston won game one at home, and then games two and three, Boston boat raced them like twelve. 12- three and nine to one or something like the offense exploded and it went to game four and everybody was like, man, Boston is just going to, you know, they're going to roll and win this in five. But Houston came back and got like seven runs in the ninth to take game, game four to even it at two. And then they exploded last night and won game five in Boston. So they took two out of three in Boston and go home with two chances to knock out the Red Sox. So I kind of wanted Boston to make it. They're more of an exciting team to me, and I'm kind of over the cheating Astros. But with two games no, at home.
1: I've I've been calling it the cheating series because Alex Cora is the manager right, of the Red Right. Sox. Both
0: teams, both teams <laughs> have been have been convicted guilty of cheating. The Red Sox did it in their run with Cora being the, the mastermind. He got suspended a whole year and the Red Sox brought him back, which is crazy.
1: But we talked, uh, we were, we covered it here. Remember yeah. how outraged we were? And then and, AJ Hinch gets a he gets a call like the minute after his right. his year
0: long suspension's over, and he's turning around the Tigers. The Tigers were close to five hundred this year. That team's on the rise. But uh, no, that's where it is, Bronson. We're at uh, you know middle of these series. Uh, the next time we talk next week will be a game or two into the World Series, I think. So I'll be able yeah. to kind of i'll be, I'll be able to preview that a little bit and talk about the first game or two um but yeah baseball is exciting i've been watching every game playing mlb the show along with it kind of simulating the action i have mlb sh- the show 20 but i've updated all the rosters i know you have 21 version
1: um, yeah the first time it's on xbox
0: yeah but uh bronson i i'm going to transition our next segment over to you i because i had the baseball segment and uh i need i need a breather so. Uh, mm-hmm. hockey hockey is back and we we hinted upon it last episode we kind of did an nhl preview um the penguins are back the nhl is about a weekend um every team has played five or six games now and our pens are two oh and two through their first five no regulation losses yet um what is that uh four out of a possible six points yeah, for you know, what is that six out of a possible eight points? Yeah,
1: um, I'm just a crazy friend, but yeah, yeah
0: can't complain. <laughs> can't complain how they've played with all the injuries. Now Brian Rust add that to the list, so we're down our superstars, and we now we lose Brian Rust and COVID as well. That you're gonna probably uh, update us on too. Yes, but. Um, the, the COVID bug didn't hit the penguins at all last year, but so far it has. And uh, in the early 21 campaign, but yeah, Bronson, what's going on in the NHL? What games have you watched? I know TNT and ESPN has it now. i want to get your, i want to get your thoughts on oh, how they're, how they're yeah. doing. Who looks hot? Who's struggling
1: so far. So give me all that. <laughs> I'll keep my excitement contained. I know we're a little late tonight. <laughs> well, I was watching uh, Frank had me on TBS watching that, not Dodgers Braves series. Um, mm-hmm uh at Sports t is actually showing the Lehigh Valley Phantoms against the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins uh the the Flyers and Penguins minor league affiliates uh respectively so watching some of this kind of a little dragging a little bit but I want to see how some of our prospects are playing and and obviously it's probably the AHL equivalent of the of the Keystone rivalry um but um but no, Frank. The Penguins did open up the series. Uh, actually, they opened the entire NHL. Uh, they got the first uh, big, big game against uh, for ESPN. ESPN had been gone a while from hockey for what seventeen years, Frankie. And um, so they got the 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 premier uh, game there uh, on ESPN. Their uh, their return, their, their return uh, of hockey and ESPN that started it that way. And, um, obviously starting the year without Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, um, Sidney Crosby's actually, uh, fast approaching return. It didn't look like we would see him for at least 10, 15, 20 games, but, uh, about a week before the season, Sid was skating and practicing with the team and, and going on and uh, made the trip down to Tampa too. So it was like, there was maybe an outside chance he could play a little bit on the road trip, but, uh, as of right now, no Sid yet, but he's, he's vastly, uh, um reducing the the time out here we'll put, I, I would not be surprised in the week or week and a half we see sid back in the lap i mean he's just chomping at the bit to get in there uh gino not going to have that luxury frank he'll be out uh, at least two months in december probably at the, at the at the earliest but the penguins frank they did open the season in tampa at the amelie arena in tampa uh they had to watch the the, the banner go up for tampa um, they and and you, of course, who have been anti-Tampa, the the whole uh, the playoff campaign. You had to watch out that, that banner go up into the rafters. Their their uh, second back, back the back banners there, and um, uh, and so the Penguins had to watch that happen. And I think the uh, the experts uh, probably would have had the fully uh, operational Tampa Bay Lightning uh, uh, pounding on the the. Penguins who were uh, injury depleted and whatnot, but uh, that was not the case, Frankie. Uh, the Penguins, when the astounding 6-2 to two win against Tampa on opening night on ESPN, um, and they got some unlikely uh, uh, production from some guys. Uh, Brian Boyle, a former Tampa Bay Lightning a player himself, who the day before finally uh, offic- uh, officially got himself on the roster. Um, Jake J- Gensel was out due to COVID protocol. Uh, he got a goal that game. Teddy Bluger, uh, Dayton Heinen, who's been on like a scoring streak, Frank. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Uh, I like him so far. Great pickup. Yeah. The former Boston Bruin really uh, hot. And we're going to go into. In and I'm not going to break down game by game, but, it's, but this is the opening night game. So mm-hmm. Dayton Heinen with a goal. Evan Rodriguez, Brian Rust, Dominic Simone. Some of these were empty netters. Frank as John Cooper pulled the goalie early in the third mm-hmm. period when they were down three nothing. So Tristan Jari looked up to the task. And they had a convincing win over the lightning in the, in the first game, uh, the second game they were down. Um, I don't even know what they call it anymore. They still the BB and T arena to take on the Florida Panthers. They, uh, saw, uh, the former penguin, uh, Patrick Hornquist, but, uh, they faced Sergei Bobrovsky, um, that game. And, uh, the pens had to lead for a while. Uh, it was a game Frank. They kind of let get away from them at the end, the, the young, the young, uh, talented. And, uh, uh, maybe uh, stubborn Florida Panthers refuse to say die. They forced overtime, and Carter Verhage wins it uh, for the Panthers uh, in overtime. And that was, so I'll put the Penguins there. I'm trying. I don't have anything. And this is purely going off of my head here as I forget the games that they were playing, the Penguins. Are. I'm going to bring this up right now. But um, during this whole stretch – oh, and in that Florida game, I do believe, Frank, it was either the Florida game. No, it wasn't the Florida game. It was the Chicago game. Um. So the so the Penguins Saturday go to Chicago or not go to Chicago? They host their home opener against the Chicago Blackhawks and
0: Mark Andre Fleury. <laughs> that was a
1: tough ticket, Frankie. Get your home opener and the flower coming back to Pittsburgh. Uh, and you know it's the home opener, and uh, and uh, the Penguins. You know the fans. You know the Inzers, however you want to call them. Uh, wanted to see Mark Andre Fleury, Frank. But uh, if you were in line getting that brewski, or if you're trying to get a a donut or a popcorn or a nacho. And you were trying to get in your seat a couple minutes into the first period and see uh, the former Penguin Mark Andre Fleury, Uh, You might have missed them, Frank, because uh, the Penguins came out guns a blazing the first period. They chased Fleury halfway through the first period, so uh, the crowd had to deal with uh, three quarters of the game from Kevin Lankanen. um, They came out and um, uh, came out guns a blazing against the Blackhawks. Uh, Drew O'Connor, Frank—a guy you know who I'm I'm heavy on. I'm glad he got to make the team out of camp and he, get, he got his first NHL goal. Uh, that was also the game that got Mike Sullivan as the all-time winningest Penguins head coach in the, in the franchise's history. He uh, surpassed Dan Bosma. Um And um uh, trying to think who else got involved that. In Dan Heinen scored uh, brought um, Brock McGinn, right? It's Brock McGinn, Brock McGinn. Uh, he got, he got a goal that game as well. Um, and the most recent game was against the stars on either Monday or two. It was Tuesday. Um, a tough game there. And Br- Brayden, Holpe showed uh signs of the Braden hope of old for Dallas, uh, his capital days, um, one, one game went to the shootout penguins did lose that in the shootout. So they stand now, Frank at two Oh, and two on the young hockey season. And as you mentioned, uh, penguins dealing with some COVID issues. Jake Gensel was out for, I believe the first two games that he came back against Chicago. Um, and uh, now, the as of today, uh, Jeff Carter is on COVID protocol, as is Tristan Jari. So those get those guys out of the lineup. Who knows? At least possibly a game or a couple games. Who knows? Um, now Casey DeSmith may have to take on a bulk of that uh, that workload. I'm assuming they're going to call up maybe uh, Louis Domingue from wilkes mm-hmm. I haven't seen the I haven't seen the tea leaves today, so I don't know if they made yeah. any moves today, but. I assume we'll see Louis Domingue, a guy who's seen some uh, NHL action. He'll probably be the backup to Casey DeSmith. Uh, Sid possibly could be back very soon. Um, But no, Frank, I think the story of the Penguins right now is they're getting things done with Sid and Gino out of the lineup. Um, They've been playing more of a disciplinary kind of game. I think think it's fair to say that. And um, and they're getting production from unlikely guys, Frank, you know, Brian Boyle scored in his first two games there and uh, they're getting production from guys like Ham and O'Connor, and Denton Heinen and Brock McGinn and, and uh, and uh, trying to think who else had a goal the other night, but you know, you have your Gensel scoring and those other guys, but at the same time, you're getting some unlikely production from some unlikely sources as well. Um, so if they can keep it up, just keep the Penguins uh, trucking and keep the head above water and know that help has come and help us on his way. Uh, could really be uh, they could really, uh, uh, and obviously the goaltending has to be there, Frank. um I know Tristan Jari is under a huge microscope due to how the last playoffs ended, uh, had a great opening night game for the season, but the critics are still there, Frank for Tristan Jari. Um, but now he'll be out with a, uh, you know, good deal of time now with this COVID protocol, assuming he doesn't, get, uh, you know, turns a negative test or whatnot. But so they turn to Casey to Smith and, um, it's going to be goaltending in the stars, Frank. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to try to make it simple, but it's fun to see these guys produce. I know there was a joke that Denton Hine was on quote pace for an 82 goal season. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me there, but, but no, Frank, I, you know, you know how pumped I get when hockey comes around the corner and, and, um, uh, it's, it's awesome to see the penguins kind of get out in front. And, um, I was going to say, and also before I, I forget Frank, uh, my friend, uh, shout out to my friend Dalton Eisenbron, who sent, who sent me this uh, this little nugget here. I'm going to play it here audio-wise here. This happened just a couple hours ago tonight.
0: Hannon and company. Tatar placing it back to point position on the run. Sprong's got the defense beat. Sprong right on in. Forehand. Score!
1: Beautiful goal tonight by former Penguin Daniel Sprung of the Capitals, and it was a beauty. If you get a chance to look it up, please do. But it was a beauty, just with uh,
0: Joe Beninati on the call.
1: That's Joe Beninati and Craig Lawton on the call there for the the Caps. On uh, I believe that's a, a CBS. Or that's NBC. a
0: trade I didn't like because Sprung was a, a highly touted scoring prospect picked in the second round, the first player from the Netherlands ever drafted.
1: And, yeah, you
0: know, we, we got him straight up for Marcus Pedersen, who's been an affordable. Um, top four pairing yeah four five six guy, yeah it's not a terrible trade it's kind of a a hockey trade you know both teams and anaheim you know has neither now they they flipped uh sprung over the capitals for i forget who but uh yeah it
1: wasn't anything of of record yeah so player but
0: yeah i hate to see him come back into our division to one of our biggest rivals but um yeah it's a guy you root for if it's not against uh...
1: And then in the caps, too. They have him and they have that LaPierre kid who grew up a Capitals fan. His favorite player is Ovechkin. Right. Yeah. I so now he gets dropped with the Caps. And now he gets and, and now he gets to play with his hero. And it's been it's been a short week in the NHL. It's only been a weekend, so it's kind of hard to kind of take a adjustment to who's really playing well or who not, who's not Frank. But uh, some tidbits. Obviously, the Chicago Blackhawks are going through some Tough uh, few games here. You know, the big acquisition of uh, Marc-Andre Fleury and Seth Jones. So a lot of the people in Chicago believe that the window is still open for the Hawks to still possibly win another cup or at least make some noise. So Fleury has not played well, but the team has not played well. Now Jeremy Cullins on the hot seat. And maybe if you can put the Blackhawks season into a microcosm, Frank, maybe not so much the Penguins dominating him in the Penguins' home opener. But the fact that Jack Johnson went breakaway backhand top cheese on Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, Jack Johnson was signed as a PTO from the Colorado Avalanche. So he made the team, and he had a beautiful goal against uh, wow. his former teammate there. Or uh, No, they didn't play together in, in Pittsburgh. They had ships passing through. But, but now Jack Johnson gets a beautiful goal, a goal I didn't think he was capable of scoring. Um, so, yeah, the Blackhawks are definitely not coming out the way they want to come out. Um, apparently, Dylan Strom is in the doghouse, Frank. Actually, my friend Mike Shuttleworth. And Kevin Brew and I were talking tonight about maybe the Penguins could buy low on a guy like Dylan Strome. Yeah. And, you know, in
0: the rumors I've I've read too, yeah.
1: Yeah. They could, they could buy low on him and put him with one of the, the, the big the big playmaking centers and maybe uh, revitalize his career a little bit because he's definitely got a scoring touch. His skating's been always been a question even in juniors. So uh, but it'd be awesome to see Dylan Strome in a Penguins jersey. I certainly would welcome it. I don't necessarily know if he fits Sully's kind of style or maybe what Berkey and Hexie are looking to get out of a player. But if you came here, I'd absolutely be on board with that, Frank. But to kind of put a wrap on the hockey thing and get us out of here, um, not only did ESPN uh, return to hockey from being out so long, um, their their uh, broadcasting crew, uh, the Penguins' home opener, was uh, Sean McDonough and um, and Ray, Ray Ferraro. And then um, the Kraken played the Golden Knights that night, and that was the uh, John Grass and uh, Brian Boucher with um the second game had linda cone and kevin weeks in the studio and then the first uh uh game frank had steve levy with uh um chelly and 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 mark messier uh so that that was their that was their um crew there i know you said you were big on chelios' analysis Mm -hmm. and i liked it too because he was really pushing uh hard on crystal tang you could tell he's a big fan of crystal tangus he was talking about his game, uh, to an exception there. I did only get to watch a little bit of that uh, Kraken uh, Golden Knights game, but Weeksi and Linda Cohn have a tremendous chemistry, and uh, I've actually had an opportunity Frank, like, to talk to Linda Cohn before at uh, mm-hmm. at some uh, Slippery Rock uh, University sports management, uh, uh, you know, stuff, and uh, she's awesome, and she loves to talk hockey, and it was fun. That was kind of taking her away from talking to other people, but she didn't mind. She loves talking hockey. <laughs> and um and she, she's awesome and they really uh have so much respect for her and, and everything she's done on espn and in the history there but weeks he's a guy he obviously identifies with the younger crowd for sure and uh, he's always a good guy to talk about especially when you talk about the the play between the pipes you know the goaltending Weeksy's a good guy on there so um and then with Pierre mcguire now in the ottawa front office frank uh, they need a between the boards guy and Um, Obviously, they couldn't sign him. He's obviously he has a a hockey ops job. So ESPN going with Emily Kaplan. She's a writer for ESPN in terms of covering the NHL. Her and puck daddy, Greg Wyshynski. But she's doing the between the board stuff. And you might see Emily Kaplan. Frank, she's uh, quite uh, prevalent on Around the Horn, like with Mina Kimes and Sarah Spain and them and others, the normal people there as well. Um, but she's awesome I thought I thought she did a tremendous job Frank And they're doing that pre-game thing now Where like they do the, the pre-game interview But like the player's not next to her They're on the bench and they have an earpiece in And she asks the questions So I thought it was good, I thought the crew was better uh, On paper I would have loved to see uh, Clement and Thorne back there I don't know yeah. why that didn't happen but I know, that's they're
0: just... still both around
1: Yeah, and, and Bill Clement said He goes, if Gary Thorne will do it, I'll do it He goes, I'm mm-hmm. in if he's in uh, so maybe maybe thorn didn't want to do it or maybe espn didn't feel that was a good direction that they wanted to make but uh looks like mcdonough and rafaro are going to be the a team and then uh bucci and and uh and uh, boucher is the b team but um i i like bucci a lot and bucci's uh his Twitter and his his enthusiasm for the game was cool. One thing I like, Frank, is that NHL. Um, it's called the Point or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily Kaplan and Butchergrass have really pushed it. It's like their hockey show, but they do a lot of three sixty or e sixty like features. They did one on Merslikins on on you know the loss of his friend, mm-hmm. obviously um, uh, Matisse, you know who passed away with the the fireworks thing. They did a special on him. They did one on Austin Matthews. So they're getting that ESPN like you know you know, 30 for 30 e 60 features. And now they're, they're primarily featuring them on NHL players and, and stories, Frank. And I think that only helped grow the game. And which is why what I want to have happen in the first place with them back on ESPN. I know there are Yenzers. I know there are puckheads, I know there are people above, you know, the border in Canada who don't like this move, to ESPN feel the ESPN does not give them the coverage and respect they deserve. They may be right on that. They may be right on Frank. I can't dis- dispute that with them from what I've seen so far. I really like what they've done. Um, and and the more the more you want to cut it down to the core, uh, you have to have you know hockey on ESPN because everyone has ESPN. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find that USA or the NBC Sports or whatever. Yeah you know with ESPN it's 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 right there front and center and even tonight my friend Jimmy you know he has ESPN plus and you can do the multiple screen thing so you can watch multiple games at the same time mm-hmm. and that's another thing the ESPN plus has a feather in its cap to do as well so they have great coverage you know I'm not going to knock ESPN they're definitely uh, putting money into it and trying to trying to make the the appeal to the to the fans and and it's it's still early yet so let's let's roll with that but frank uh the next night was TNT's turn to uh to do the coverage. They have the uh, Rangers and caps. And uh, I think they had another game too on the back end of that. And they have Liam McHugh, who they got from NBC sports, Liam McHugh, um, Anson Carter, um, Paul Bissonette, which I thought was a great hire. You know, he has a young following from the spit and Chicklets podcast, which I listen to on a regular basis. And, you know, you know, biz is a funny guy. He, he He's a good looking dude. You know, he's a good guy to really grow the game of hockey. And of course, you know, they have, the great one, Wayne Gretzky. So their pregame show was really cool as well. They had Charles Barkley on for the people who don't know hockey. So he added his humor and everything. And they showed Wayne Gretzky's only fight and he lost it. And Charles Barkley was like, he's like, you really just lose to a dude with a perm? You no, know, <laughs> cracking it. You know, he's chirping Wayne Gretzky. And then they put Charles Barkley in goalie gear and had him face Wayne Gretzky in a shootout. And, and <laughs> he would say Gretzky torched him, but you know, it was fun. You know, and, and Biz and, and Biz and Gretzky and 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 Liam, Liam McHugh and and uh, and um, and Anson Carter, are awesome. I feel like, as I told you before the show, Frank, I think Anson Carter are like he. I feel like he feels like he's more himself now. Like I don't know who the people in charge of NBC were. But I just feel like he chirps people. He's more into the, the coverage. Biz is biz. You just let him go and give him a chance. And, and 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 he he always has some funny stuff and very informative stuff to say. And Wayne Gretzky could tell the beginning, kind of was like he was kind of over the, the admiration, like the 20 minutes of admiration over him. It's like, I just want to talk hockey, you know? <laughs> and I think he's genuine. When he said he wanted Alex Ovechkin to break his record because he said he's known in his career, he's known more of as a playmaker, not necessarily a goal scorer. And he mm-hmm. said it would be nice if the NHL's greatest goal scorer of all time had the goal scoring record. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he really has been pushing hard. He, he said he really does want OV to break the record. And that's really the big question in the next couple of years. Like, will Alex Ovech can break that record? He would have to average, I believe, like 33, 34, 35 goals a year to do that.
0: For like five more years. Yeah, yeah. stay healthy.
1: Yeah. And- and I posted something on Facebook and I stand by it. You know, I'm a Penguins fan, you're a Penguins fan. I would love to see it happen. I Ovi's so electric. And even as a rival, you know, a fan of a rival that he plays against, it's still thrilling to watch him play and hit the goals that he scores. And, and it's awesome. And it's awesome to see him play. And I hope he continues to do it. But uh but real quickly, yeah, um um the Seattle Kraken, obviously they're the other story, you know, coming into the league. And we saw who scored the actual first goal in Kraken History in the preseason, but do you know who scored the actual regular season first goal in Kraken history?
0: I do not. I, I was not watching that. Uh, the, oh, the, I got that him. Game. Yeah. We
1: got it was actually Ryan Donato.
0: Okay. Ryan yeah, Donato. The, he was a late signing. He was not a he was not an expansion draft pick.
1: So. Yeah, he was not.
0: Interesting and, uh, that, that a s that a non expansion draft pick gets the first real one in franchise history. Yeah, I didn't see that nightcap, uh I, I turned off after the Penguins Lightning game. But the yeah, Kraken I'm I'm excited their home opener is Saturday, so we're gonna see Climate Pledge Arena.
1: I'm uh, looking fi- forward to that as well. Finally
0: finished in, 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 in making its debut. So I, I hope that one is on some sort of TV here. Yeah,
1: uh, I don't know if it or not, but and I was trying to look this up because I was gonna give you a quiz and um Maybe we'll cover it next game, but I'll I will have a quiz for you next next episode because I'm not gonna be able to pull it up in time. But no, Frank, I'm just excited to see you know hockey with the new with the new networks. To get a new perspective on the coverage of the game. You know, I, I I've always been a fan of Pierre, and I know people hate don't like him, but I'm gonna miss him definitely in the coverage. But I think I think Emily Kaplan's gonna be really good for ESPN. I think she's she had an impressive article on Stephen John's. Obviously, we we we've chronicled Johnsy's journey, and she had a great article on on that a few months ago on ESPN. So, if you get a chance to look that up, please do so. I think she's an incredible writer. I think Greg Wachowski's good too. I don't necessarily know if he's good for TV. I saw him on that NHL show. He just seems kind of like awkward. I think he's just better as a writer, and, you know. And good for him. You know, God bless him. He's gonna get, he's getting some TV time now that the NHL's on ESPN. But I just don't think he looks great on TV. Obviously, they had that show on there with Tortorella and some other people on there too. And, and uh, I guess Tortorella is going to be obviously scrutinized to everything he says as well. So, but no, Frank, you know, I'm just, you know, obviously you can tell you can hear my excitement, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing more hockey and uh, and um, hopefully you know I'll have a little bit of, a little of a lull in my schedule here. I'll be able to watch a lot more hockey, and I hope the Penguins just keep rolling on, man. And I think they they, they really need to build a margin here, so in case some stuff happens, they'll have something to kind of get back get back to. It, so, but. No, Frank, just uh, one weekend, you know, there's some ups and downs and some stuff, but a whole lot of season to go, and I'm looking forward to seeing what what, what transpires.
0: Yeah, great hockey talk, segment, Bronson, as always, and I'm excited too. I'm a big hockey fan as well, and just excited to see the Penguins doing this well so far to start, and um, catching action around the league too. I mean, like you said, Ovechkin's uh, an interesting story, and the Kraken as well, and Um, Seeing if, uh, you know, the big teams see if they can perform and up to expectations like Colorado, Vegas, Tampa, uh, Florida has high expectations. Chicago lost again today, which puts them in a further hole. So, yeah, look out. uh, They lose at home to Vancouver. Um, Yeah, but Seattle and uh, and Vancouver, the the home opener for the Krakens on ESPN Plus. So you might have to go over to your buddy's house to watch. (laughs) It's, uh, I, think sat- I think
1: i'm just gonna subscribe to it i think it's saturday
0: time. It's saturday at 10. Um, but yeah bronze hockey is exciting right now and that kind of brings me to my final thoughts and it's a hockey related topic to start um it was mike lang night the other night at uh ppj paints arena the penguins uh did a great job at honoring the legendary penguin broadcaster a guy you and i grew up watching a guy that I emulated as I played NHL 98 on the Super Nintendo. Um, just a guy who I can still hear his voice making power play calls. Like, Lemieux, over to Lemieux, back to Lemieux. Looking, looking, <laughs> Lemieux. Hey, at scores. Just all the sayings, me and my dad. So many memories watching hockey growing up with my dad. He was a huge Lang fan too. He loved the, the crazy sayings and what's it going to be next. And just how Mike Lang, I don't know, like, Somehow, sometimes he ad libbed them. Sometimes he probably had them predetermined before the game. But um, saw a great segment where Malkin visited him in the uh, in the booth and brought him a milkshake because <laughs> they'll you know, make me a milkshake. Malkin, I'm not even sure Mike Lang knew like if he r- realized that why why is Gino bringing me a milkshake right now? It's all because of that <laughs> saying. Because Gino in his broken English was like, I would wanted to do, bring you a beer, but I, you tonight you get milkshake. <laughs> But, uh, it was, it was funny. So yeah, they had him in a private box. They took a pause out of the game and he got a two minute, uh, standing ovation. He's, he's, you know, one of the legends with Myron Cope and Bob Prince and soon to be Greg Brown, I believe who was in attendance. Cause they're, they're, they're good friends from being in the, in the Pittsburgh sports broadcasting biz together for so long. But, uh, oh, yeah. Mike Lang, you know, you remember how it kind of went sour as like, uh, you know, back when it was, uh. Fox Sports Net Pittsburgh. Um, he had the contract dispute and uh, had to end up switching to radio for the final you know, 10, 15 years of his career, um, where it turned over to Staggy, his longtime color man, uh, switched over to play-by-play, um, and they brought in Bob Airy to do color. Um, and now we have Steve Mears and Bob Airy, but, uh, and Mike Lang just up to the last Last year or two was doing radio and kind of has handed the torch to Josh Getzoff, who I think does a great job. Um, I agree;
1: I think he does a great uh, job.
0: But he has he has cited Mike Lang as a mentor and a and a teacher and a friend, um, and owes it, it a lot of his success. As has Mears, um, who grew up in Pittsburgh watching Lang and kind of um, was inspired by him. But class gesture by the Penguins, class, classy move by. Um, AT&T Sportsnet, uh, you know, they, they, they did have that kind of grudge with him. I, a lot of the people involved with that might not be around anymore, but they still, you know, showed him and honored him all night, despite kind of it going, going sideways at the end between him and the TV folks. But, um, that was kind of cool Bronson. And, um, I, my other, my other final thought topic, and you can, you can jump in and give me your Lang thoughts after, but, uh, it's going to be pit football, Bronson, and I'm going to tell you this right now. Um, <laughs> I am going to. I'm warning
1: you right now. Relax. <laughs> right. I am
0: officially going on the record and saying with pit football, I'm not going to get too high and I'm not going to get too low anymore because I have gotten high before when they were ranked in the top 25 they're five and one or you know you know six and two and they're ranked and they they're leading the coastal and i think at my my all-time high was when they won the coastal in wake forest that year they were seven and four they were ranked in the top 20 and they you know they lost the last three and you know subsequent years they they lose games they should win and they lose to a small school and, you know, this year they lost to a small school in Western Michigan. And I was, I was just jumping off the train and I told our listeners, I told you, I told my family, I said, I'm done with pit. I, I, I put away the pit clothes uh, that I have. I, I did not watch a single down of the new Hampshire game of the Georgia tech game. Um, you know, but they've been winning since then, Bronson, after that, they, they've, they've, They've gone three and oh since the debacle against Western Michigan. They've gotten better defensively. Um, they've taken care of business in two big ACC road games against Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech who are not great programs right now. Virginia Tech win on the road sounds better than it is right now. But they're five and one. You know, what did you say? It's probably um the Ravens are five and one, and it's probably the way they should be. Um, they probably shouldn't have won a game they, they won, and they probably shouldn't have lost a game they lost. Well, Pitt, if you looked at the schedule, and I'm, I'm guilty of saying this all the time, Bronson, but if you could go back and say Pitt will be 5-1 and one after their first six games, I think every Pitt fan in Pittsburgh would have signed up for that. And they probably would have expected the loss to be to Tennessee or Virginia Tech. Um, SEC road game, ACC road game, Five and one through six, How, you can't beat it. Really, you can't beat it. You don't expect anybody to be six and zero. Um, there's only a few unbeaten's left in the country, so they're five and one after six. Bronson, and where does that sit them? Top of the coastal, a two game lead atop the coastal. So it's starting to look like maybe they're in the driver's seat to win the coastal and get to the ACC title game. And these are things Pitt fans just asked for. I, as a pit fan, I asked for eight or nine wins somehow find your way to 10, some sometime 10 wins. It hasn't happened in 40 years, but eight or nine wins relevancy in the ACC title conversation, new year, six bowl possibility. You know, can you get the peach bowl? Can you get the fiesta bowl? We haven't had that since Walt Harris and Tyler Palco, um, Can they make some noise and just go nine and three, maybe ten and two? I mean, now at five and one, Bronson with with five to go, um, or with six to go, uh, maybe ten and two is a possibility. Nine and three is a possibility in a New Year six bowl. um, I'd be ecstatic as a Pitt fan. Uh, there are games against North Carolina left. Clemson is coming up Saturday, and Clemson's not the same old Clemson. They don't have Trevor no. Lawrence. They're kind of having a down year. It's a bridge year until they reload on recruits. Uyanga Lalea at quarterback's not been as advertised. They're still going to come into Heinz Field and I think possibly win. I'm I'm nervous about this game. It's still a bunch of five-star recruits that you know Clemson rolls out there, and Dabo Sweeney's gonna you know he can outcoach. Narduzzi he's a national championship winning <laughs> coach they yeah, had Narduzzi uh, in the
1: Sports Center today too
0: nice so they're starting to get that national exposure and uh, Kenny Pickett's getting Heisman exposure um, he's getting first round draft pick top 10 draft pick exposure in some mock drafts people comparing him to Joe Burrow how he kind of rose as a junior and then really rose as a senior um <laughs> All these things make me sound like I'm getting so high, but I'm going to stay grounded, Bronson. Because I know Clemson <laughs> can come in here and whoop us. It could get ugly. Clemson could come in here and win by three touchdowns. Um, I hope it's a big crowd. It's one of those games that Pitt's ranked finally again, and you figure if Clemson came in here ranked number one, it would have been insane. But maybe it's good that we're catching Clemson kind of down because it can just maybe we can get a win that kind of looks better than it is, but um, and go to six and one and get into the top twenty and really start getting on a roll here but um i'm I'm staying even keel, Bronson. I'm not gonna get too high if they win. I'm not gonna get too low um because they have you know North Carolina could jump up and bite them as they always seem to do. Um Syracuse, the last game of the year, feels like a trap game where Pitt might be like nine and two or eight and three. and um you know you go into syracuse and you, you have a stinker and you have that eight and four kind of blemish instead of nine and three mm-hmm. um i think they have they have virginia left they have miami left and miami's mm-hmm. one of those te- miami has a lot of good recru- recruits always so they could they could come out and, and, and punch you in the mouth i think that one's at heinz field this year but uh yeah, they it's 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 still gonna they they have to prove it to me. I'm not gonna get excited until they prove it and they and they do they do finish nine and three. I think nine and three, Bronson, uh, maybe losing to Clemson, maybe losing to Miami, um, and and winning the rest um, gets you the coastal and gets you. Um, uh, a shot in the ACC title game against Wake Forest or NC State um, over on the Atlantic side of the uh, ACC slate. Wake Forest and NC State are kind of the class of that division with Clemson being down. So the the ACC title game might be against one of them two, that which Pitt could possibly win. So you look at an ACC champion pit team. Um, It would be insane because, you know, everybody figured Clemson would be winning those for the next, you know, five, ten years or Florida State if they could somehow get back. Um, But if Pitt can win an ACC and win nine games, they're looking at a New Year's Six Bowl, which would be awesome. And that's all you can ask for. I think Pitt fan expectations have to be tempered at that. So I know you're probably starting to get kind of excited as a Pitt fan, too, but I think you probably agree it's, 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 you got to prove it. You got to win these games. You're supposed to win and uh, start to take the bull by the horn. So that's it for my final thoughts, Bronson. Uh, Mike Mike Lang and the Pitt Panthers, uh, you know, <laughs> both exciting uh, things of late.
1: no i uh no but um it it is it's it's hard to to contain that excitement because you you know now they're ranked and it's funny because you're looking at all these like football nerd stats like for college quarterbacks and you just see kenny pickett's name on the top of every list it's like it's hard it's hard to uh um uh to, to not generate that excitement so uh no, for sure. And Frank, before we, I go to my um, my final thoughts. Uh, I do have a kind of sort of trivia question for you, because mm-hmm. uh, I don't think you'll nail some of these, because these are some uh, there's some very obscure and anonymous names here. But since we talked about Ryan Donato scoring the first goal in Kraken history, I have I have compiled a list, and I don't know how far how you're gonna get in here on this. <laughs> i don't know how you're gonna get on here on the first goal in expansion franchise history Now i, I only dated it back to the 90s so oh, I'm, not, gonna, I'm not gonna tell I you score know, the first use. goal in montreal maroons history <laughs> so uh no for the 90s um and i and i'm not gonna grade you hard on this one because i don't think these are names even i would get to but uh um there's no uh numer uh time order here frank but i'll just give you some franchises that were since 1990 have been in the league as an expansion franchise and uh you tell me who you think it possibly could be and then i'll tell you if you're wrong. if you don't know just tell me you don't know but tampa bay lightning frank the three the the three times Stanley cup champions they were expansion franchise in the early 90s do you know who scored the first goal in their franchise history
0: and yeah, it's funny because I, you know, sometimes I play around on Hockey DB, Hockey Database. It's a fun site. It's like baseball reference or hockey reference. But um, and I was looking at like these early rosters and expansion drafts, and I, you know, c- kind of remembering who they, who, who off the Penguins got taken. And um, I, I do remember that. that. I know that. Oh, was it Taglianetti? Did they yeah, it was Ta- Peter Taglianetti. But he did not score the first goal in franchise history. Yeah. Uh, first goal in Tampa Bay Lightning history. I see. I I can't even remember half see. the roster. Maybe Peter Peter Klima.
1: No, then, Chris Kontos, and he actually yeah. scored four goals that game. So not Chris Kontos cont-
0: there. Not to be confused with Frank Conti.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Chris Kontos, and then if I know a guy, I'll give you clues. That way, I'll I'll be able okay. to give you a clue here. So the Anaheim Mighty Ducks came into the league, obviously off of the success of the Disney movies of the Milo Esteves. The Anaheim they should Mighty Ducks still be Ducks.
0: called that, and they should still have that uniform. In my, my agreed
1: opinion. and agreed on all ends, it'd be <laughs> awesome to see Johnny Whitehall wearing that wearing that jersey. <clears throat> but the Anaheim Mighty Ducks did have a first goal in franchise history scored by a defenseman, um, Sandis Ozilins. That's a good guess, but it's not actually right. This yeah. guy would actually win a Stanley Cup with, or he would be in the Stanley Cup finals with Carolina in 2002. They would go down to the Red Wings. Um, his initials are SH. See if you know that one. Sean Hill. Good call. Sean Hill. <laughs> the first goal in Anaheim Mighty Duck's history. Wow. We'll give you credit on that one. Um, for Ottawa, uh, this guy I had no idea he even existed in hockey. <laughs> He scored the first goal in preseason history and the first goal in regular season history. Um, I'm not giving you the clue because it would give it away. But uh, any any Ottawa guess here and who would score the first goal in sentence history? Well, if he's if he's very obscure and, like, unknown, the clue shouldn't give it away. Oh, uh, it would. And you'd at least get the last name. Uh, the answer... Uh, same last name as the winningest NFL quarterback.
0: Winningest, so you only get
1: credit if you nail know the first name.
0: So Brady?
1: Yeah, that's the last name so... of the guy. Do you know the first name?
0: No, I've never heard of a hockey player called Brady. Yeah. Neil Brady. Neil Brady. The so first weird.
1: goal in Ottawa Senators history. These ones on are going to start getting better because they're they're going to be players we know. The Florida Panthers. First goal in Florida Panthers history. Uh, Bill Lindsay. Oh, good guess. No. Um, former St. Louis Blue, former Edmonton Oiler, uh, currently in the NHL coaching. Former Islander. Or no, he's not an Islander. Former former Panther, former Blue. Former Oiler. Still don't know. He was key in their Stanley Cup run as well, and that was Scott Mellenby. Oh, yeah. The, he was the uh, rat-throwing. The rat-thrower. Rat uh, San Jose, you're probably not going to get. It's Craig Cox. He was the first goal. Yeah. Yeah, they lost no 72 word. to the Red Wings. They got that. Nashville, Frank, former uh, first goal in Nashville history. Um, played for this, the Atlanta Thrashers, who will be later on this list here as well. Um, last name kind of uh, almost shares the same last name or pronunciation uh, of a former Pittsburgh Pirate pitcher who was part of that. Playoff team run in 2013 Something Burnett I'll give you half credit Andrew Burnett Andrew Burnett Yeah yeah, In, in Preds history mm-hmm. We're getting down here to the end here Atlanta Thrashers First goal in Atlanta Thrashers history
0: uh, Patrick Stefan
1: That's a good one but that's wrong Former <laughs> Penguin He's a former Penguin uh, Notably known for the era of the X-Generation Yes.
0: <laughs> former uh,
1: penguin, uh former Oiler, former coyote. Oh man. Uh Kelly Buckburger. Boom. Kelly Buckberger. <laughs> wow. The first goal in Pred's history. Uh Columbus. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make Yeah. on that's Bruce Gardner. He was the first one in Columbus wow. history. Minnesota. Uh he's a Minnesota stable when they first came into the league. He was known, he was probably a bottom six guy. Um, original Minnesota Wild, really, yeah, Gabarick. Uh, no, um, he was a bottom six guy. This guy was a bottom, uh, six, bottom guy. six. His initials are DH. Let's see if you get that one. DH, original wild guy. No, nah, nothing's coming to mind. Darby Hendrickson. Mm, yep, and the last one, uh, I'm not gonna give you Ryan Donato, we already covered that tonight. The first goal in Vegas Golden Knights history.
0: I should know this because I feel like I watched that game. Um, it was on that original. They went to the finals. Um, William Carlson.
1: No, he was yeah. a one and done with the Golden Knights. And that was former Penguin James Neal. Wow. Forget he so, and was there. Yeah, and this is funny because I just do this on the fly. I never tell Frank that we're doing something like this. So mm. I'm sure that was a failure of, of, of a segment. But it was cool to go back and look no, at all the, the first goals in in NHL expansion franchise history. It's weird how like a bunch of like, no-name guys like just get in the record books. And right. who knows? Maybe Ryan Donato will be a great player. Maybe not. But now he's in hockey history. He'll forever be etched. The first guy who scored the goal in Kraken history. But, um, I'm what have you got for years? Um what for your final, you know, what do you got for your final thoughts oh yeah it's simply transitioning to the final thoughts i feel like i'd be remiss if we did not cover uh what, hap- what has happened with the las vegas raiders uh frank i'm sure if you've listened by now you know that um uh, Las Vegas Raiders head coach, John Gruden, uh, resigned from the head, from his position. Um, the NFL has been doing investigation into the Washington football team in terms of, uh, a slew of things, uh, unsafe work environment, sexual harassment, code, dis- you know, mis- misconduct due detrimental of a franchise team, et cetera, et cetera. So they're going through some stuff, Frank, uh, emails, papers, things like that. Um, the NFL did uncover uh, emails that John Gruden, while working at ESPN, sent to Bruce Allen, the uh, executive of the of the Washington football team. Uh, some racist things, some misogynistic homophobic things said about certain players, said about certain things uh, sent to him. um. Uh, i'm sure urban meyer really appreciated this as he was like on the cover of everything with his misconduct and now gruden pushed him to the back burner there for sure and i think at first frank when this first came out you were probably first to say hey this was something that happened 10 years ago yes i know racism and things like that don't have an expiration date but it's something it was one email sent 10 years ago uh you know maybe you know he said to them anger. you know there's a chance for a rehabilitation thing here. Maybe, you know, being in the league has changed him, especially with Carl Nassib coming out this year uh, uh, as being gay, you know, and how the, the league has revolved, uh, has really rallied around Carl Nassib, who I think is an awesome player and a person. Obviously, if you watch the the Browns' uh, hard knocks, you really get to know what a personality Carl Nassib is. <clears throat> but um, I think, Frank, if it had stated just that one email, I think, i think goodell probably would have like you know gruden would have apologized he probably got him and Demarie smith in a room publicly they would have mm-hmm. shook hands you know made things go away uh but then as the weekend went on frank remember this, this story broke right at the end of the week and as we got into the weekend into monday night football uh uh that the game that week um we found out that there wasn't just one email frank there was many emails some even sent as recent as 2018. Uh, where Gruden was outspoken against Colin Kaepernick um, about the um, staging of the Rams drafting Michael Sam, um, just other uh, speeches and things like that. Um, once once those emails leaked out, Frank, it was pretty apparent that this wasn't just a one-time only thing and uh, and something had to give, uh, something was going to come down. The NFL let the Raiders kind of uh, handle this first before they kind of looked their investigation, but yeah. Um, Later that night, Gruden announced his resignation from the team, saying he didn't want to be a distraction and and how sorry he was for his harmful comments um, th- you know with these emails and whatnot. Um, they promoted the the special team's coach to coach. I forget his name off the top of my head now, but umaccia. Sad- yeah, like that. And he's excited. i'm I'm excited for him to obviously do you know good things. But obviously, Frank, this was something that since we last recorded was major news and just hit you like a ton of bricks. Because, you know, even with the the email about DeMarie Smith, which is which was, you know, uh, was a a, a disgrace, a shame, you know, it was maybe one email. You know, DeMarie Smith is kind of a lightning rung as the president of the NFLPA. He tends to rub people the wrong way. Those comments are not are not justified in any way. But Maybe you can understand Gruden's frustration behind them, but once all the emails leaked, Frank, it was over. Um, right. There was more than just one e- little email. Um, the NFL claims to have six hundred fifty thousand emails. Now the question is whether that the NFL is going to release these or not. I know Derek Carr. You know he said about John Gruden. I love the man. I don't like what he did. I love the man. I don't love the sin. And obviously, Gruden needs to rehabilitate himself, or at least, um, you know, he needs to wake up mentally and and socially, and and, and see the diversity and everything. And I, I heard players uh, did make uh, personal uh, visits to Gruden's home to kind of get their closure with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but no, Frank. Then now the question comes: whether or not and Derek Carr said the NFL should leak every email out um, because I think a few people, even though what Gruden did was wrong and it absolutely should deserved his his sentence what he's going through now um a lot of people definitely have that um what's the word I'm looking for Frank conspiracy theory that um the NFL may have been picking and choosing which emails are being leaked out obviously we saw the one with Schefter uh, uh that one didn't make shifty uh kind of questions his journalistic integrity but uh, agree with Carr, Frank. If you're gonna leak these, if you're gonna start going after certain people and having these leaked out, the New York Times leaked these out with some research and article. They should just let everything go and leak everything out, and where the chips fall, where they may. And one thing in the close itself, Frank. It's like, <clears throat> getting late in the night here and trying to clear my throat. Mark Madden said it best too, where it's like. You know, I don't want to get on a soapbox and talk about cancel culture. And that's really not my intention with this final thought here. But you know, Mark Madden said it best when it's like I, I well, the one problem that maybe he has with cancel culture that I I echo Mark's sentiments, sentiments is that cancel culture chooses and picks who they cancel. Because in the same breath that the NFL is saying that they, they will not tolerate these emails and 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 slurs and 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 remarks that Gruden made in emails. They are also having guys like Eminem and Jay-Z and things like that performing super bowl halftime shows and i love their music i'm i full handedly admit that i love their music but all those same echo, echoes and sentiments that gruden has said nemo's are lyrics and their songs and the nfl is promptly featuring them in the super bowl and on halftime shows and i dare anyone out there right. to tell me how that's any different than what john John john's putting it out there um i get it and you can say those are songs written 20 years ago it still holds the same blemish and I'm not mad at the people, I'm not mad at Eminem or I'm not mad at Jay Z. I'm not mad at anyone who for right knows, but I am but I am questioning the NFL's eth, you know, ethical uh way of how they're dealing with this. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna make it across the board, Frank, you have to make it universal. Cancel I, guess the, are- I mean, I
0: guess the I guess the the one difference would be the song lyrics are not calling anybody. Yeah, a,
1: they're they're not specifically a name. targeted. Yeah, but it's still it's still coming after a, a group of people. And, well, I know. and I'm, I'm not and I'm not defending Gruden. Frank, like, you know, I love to do the, the Gruden voice. And
0: I know you and, might have to retire it now because yeah, like I it's... have to
1: retire it. But <laughs> I mean, at my at my core, I always found Gruden entertaining. Um, but at, at his core as a football coach, I have always kind of found him to be a little bit of a meathead. Uh, you know, it's fun to make fun of him because you know, or not make fun of him, do the voice because it's funny. And some of his comments are funny. And I think he's a smart guy he knows a lot about football. But I do think in how he handles people, I I, I do think he, he can be a little bit of a of a narcissistic meathead. And obviously Frankie came out in these emails and uh yeah. and will John Gruden work again. It's 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 hard, it's hard to imagine that being a possibility as we stand here recording it October twenty first, almost hitting midnight here. But you know. You know, if guys like Kyle Larson can get another chance or all these other people, you know, Gruden may have to go away for at least a few years for the yeah, But I think I think he's ruffled too many feathers, not only in the media, but in the in the NFL higher ups. I just I don't see it happening. It might uh,
0: be a smaller media outlet, like a podcast or yeah. something. Kind he kind of
1: has to kind of pay that purgatory like when yeah. sean when sean salisbury got in all that trouble with espn it took him a few years to get away from it and then now he like he's doing stuff in the houston area like has his own talk show and stuff like that but um i'm not saying anyone should have any mercy on gruden i i certainly don't especially as i'm recording this right now uh the guy definitely knew what he was saying um uh, but I just wish that I just wish the cancel culture would would be consistent and how we go after people and how we address people and not picking and choosing because we don't like you we're going to cancel you and well we like you but you know you know maybe in the right context this isn't the way to go um, that's kind of more my issue with that Frank but yeah um, I felt like uh, during this you know because we probably featured John Gruden voices and stuff on our show I felt like we we owed it to the fans to to comment on it and 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 make that you know happen. Talk about being a meathead too. Um, to,
0: to a person in your high of a position. You have to know whatever you're typing and hitting send on an email is someday going to be seen. It's scary. Frank. And, and, and yeah. like, how does how does he send those emails just nonchalantly having gay and racial and, you know, anti-female slurs, not knowing yeah. like when I hit the send button, like the wrong person could see this. Like the wrong person could just forward this to the wrong person and screenshot this, like really short sighted and, you know, idiotic. Well, I to not know I agree. that.
1: And I think the thing with John's emails is the fact that that they, not only are these, these comments, these slurs that, that, you know, just aren't okay in, in our society and for good reason, but the fact that there is hatred behind them, there's anger behind them, mm-hmm. you know, you should never say the words that he typed or do those things, but I've all but I've always I've always measured it, and it's easy for me I guess for me in that position to judge than other people. But is there intent of hatred behind it? Is it those things? Are you just an are you just a, a racial ignorant idiot and just mm. said something just to say it? Or is there hate behind it? Or if there's maliciousness or, or or cutting someone down behind it? And obviously in John's emails, Gruden's emails, it's there. I mean, you can't hide it. Um, and it's just it's, it, it, and I'll tell you who I really feel for, and kind of closing this off, Frank is, is obviously the Raiders organization. You know, guys yeah. like Derek Carr, and the, and they they started out so well, and obviously they took a couple games back, but, you know, those guys now they're, they're Mark
0: Davis, franchises. the owner, who took a chance on them. I mean,
1: yeah, their entire franchise is left in disarray now with all yeah. of this, and now having to make an adjustment, and and now they're having this huge distraction which was behind a great story of how good the Raiders are doing and the recovery of Darren Waller and how he's become one of the, the premier tight end of football, through all you know, his, his drug addiction and his depression and all those things. But now that's now overshadowed by, by John, uh, you know, almost a decade long of John Gruden meathead behavior. So uh, I feel more for the Raiders than I do, you know, any, anywhere close to how I feel about Gruden. Well, Bronson, great, great job by you to bring that uh,
0: topic to light and, you know, we have joked about Gruden and he's been a we've been a fan of his on this show. But, yeah, we'll probably have to tie a bow on the impressions and the, you know, the the talking about him for 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 a long time now. It's kind of sad. That he's going to Tampa Bay Buccaneers took him out of their ring of honor. Um, he's yep. just kind of and, and, is, and
1: quickly comment before you move on with that. Mm-hmm. They took him out of the ring of honor. I don't want to call out the Buccaneer. Brass, or anything. I think it's a little easier to pull John Gruden out of the ring of honor. Now that, now that Bruce Arians won a Super Bowl, with Tom, Brady. <laughs> yeah, I wonder yeah. if that didn't happen if they would still have done that. But I know at but... least they did do it, and obviously they're in the position to do so, uh, on, on that front for sure, Frank. But yeah, cancel culture is something that I'm not a
0: fan of either, usually. But like sometimes when it's so cut and dry, um, some people just get canceled for something they did 20 years ago, and at that time they didn't know what they were doing or they were a young kid and they weren't doing it with bad intentions Um, yeah
1: nobody's perfect
0: frank this one i mean it is the proofs in the pudding the emails are there (laughs) and it's not joking around it is kind of malicious from what i hear i haven't read any of them but uh it's uh it's not really cancel culture this one's just like you know culture culture just this is competency this is this yeah is like being ignorant not being ignorant so i think everybody would agree and he agreed he stepped down he didn't fight it so but sad all around you hate to see it happen and uh, hopefully it's a learning experience and others think before they send a tweet before they send an email and hopefully just that line of thinking just stops altogether. Mel,
1: listen mel kiper better have a squeaky clean record because i don't know what i can do <laughs> If they if, if Mel gets canceled, right. you can't lose all yeah. your impressions, right? Yeah, but it, luckily Frank Caliendo has like a thousand impersonations. So losing <laughs> Gruden didn't really really didn't really hurt his career. So but no, and and not to make joke of a, of a serious situation. I just felt we've always tried to be positive, but mm. I've always felt like, you know, this is the way, you know, since we always chronicle Gruden a lot that we should at least have the right to comment on it. And probably other than the, this broadcast here, Frank, we will probably never mention Gruden again.
0: Well, Bronson, great job on your final thoughts There as well, that probably brings us to the end of the Episodes, we near midnight eastern time Here on a Thursday night um, As always, we want to thank Everybody at Next Level Nerd, you know, it's Justin And Nico, they they have their their Movie podcast, go check them out uh, Check them out on Facebook um, NextLevelNerd.com uh, The guys that got us started with our platform Here that uh, we were able to branch out and. Or to
1: blame, sp- whoever you want to mention <laughs> Yeah,
0: right <laughs> um my my wife katie who i haven't seen tonight because uh she was out when and when when she got home uh I had to start the podcast so uh, thanks for her patience as I do this and thanks for all her help as she uh, takes the audio and tonight we actually had two segments because we had technical difficulties so she, uh, yeah. she she'll she put that together so you got, you guys won't even tell um, but yeah she does great jobs uh, with the audio and everything and getting it out usually the, the day after or, or if not the second day after so um, yeah so we love doing this uh, we'll try to get back every week or if not every two weeks because we are kind of you know Bronson and I I have some busy schedules. Um, we'll, we'll make it work, and we'll talk. Uh, we'll continue to talk hockey as the season yeah. uh, progresses, and I'll, I'll get you ready for the World Series. That's exciting. NBA has started, so I'll probably start to touch on that a little bit, and uh, and we'll take you through this as we've been doing this uh, crazy ride that is the NFL season, and we'll get you back to some wrestling and NASCAR talk because I know Bronson has a lot of fans that follow that, and um, yeah, it's just a lot of exciting stuff as as winter nears with college football as well. Um So yeah, exciting times all around. It's a great time on the on the calendar to be a sports fan. So um yeah, Bronson. I mean, I'll throw it over to you to to sign us off. Uh, yeah, another great episode. Thanks for being with us. Yeah. And-
1: hey, thank you. You know, like I said, thank thanks Frank for doing this and like and like I said, we tried to get together last week, just didn't allow. it didn't allow to. That's kind of why this show is a little longer tonight because we want to catch up on what we missed. Right. Um, but no. Th- thanks again to Justin and Nico always, and obviously your wife Frank for for you know the tireless work she puts into it and mm-hmm. for you for doing this with me and it was fun to get back to you it had been a couple of weeks since we talked so it's a good mm-hmm. way to catch up and talk some sports and uh yeah just looking forward to, to, to everything coming up here and we're getting near the holiday season so that's always a fun thing we can always uh, work at uh, thanksgiving and christmas and halloween into what we're doing as well so a uh, lot a lot of a lot of fun possibilities coming ahead and thank you guys mm-hmm. uh, for you know anyone who hit play on this and listen to this uh you know, I've always been public as saying that for me, I do this because i I just like the chance to talk to frank and and dog sports. and anyone other than outside that circle that loves it, I'm just more than grateful for yeah, So yeah, it's all gravy. Like, yeah, it's all gravy after that. and and so I, I I thank you guys all for for tuning in and if you're trying to get the word out or telling your friends, I know some of my friends tell their friends and, mm-hmm. and it it's spreads, spreads it's, right. That's how you got us over a thousand streams. Let's go for two. Mm-hmm. Let's go for more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I got no ending. I had no music. I didn't queue it up. Uh, it's late at night. I'm going to go to bed. I'm <laughs> sure Frank wants to go to bed too. So um, we'll still do the Kenny Omega ending. There just won't be no music. So for Frank, for Katie, for Justin and Nico and everyone, NLN, and for you guys. So thank you. I'm Bronson Allman bidding you adieu. So until next time, goodbye mwah, well, and good night. Bang. Throw me the baseball.
0: Now toss me the skin. Now feed me the rock Now give me the rock